0: For ages, people didn't know Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath has this digit missing. Oh. Because he worked in a metal shop, and it got cut off. Like the day he was going to quit and do the band full time. Uh, So he has a wooden like extension. So when he's playing his ring finger on any chord, it resonates different because it's not hitting flesh it's hitting wood
1: oh weird so
0: so nobody can get nobody could figure out what how is that tone happening like it's a it's a very specific difference in how he's courting everybody to another episode of the motor mouth podcast the podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always is my fellow party professional the tim Girard. hi tim hello that's that's a little hint there two topic center sanity leaves (laughs) tim what'd you bring
1: uh so today i want to finish the discussion of uh my my new age phase um, part and there, two, two. yeah and there will be a part three but part three is sort of a different thing um so we'll i'll kind of give a, a prelude to that later but yeah this is part two this is going to finish the tale of my new new age phase guess what do you Tim. what did you bring
0: are we having fun yet Oh, <gasps> yes. party down! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: why I said my fellow party professional. <laughs> well, th- like yeah, that one was I, like it rang. It sounded familiar, but I couldn't. Yeah,
0: I was going to say former team leader, but I thought that was more like n- not as specific. Be anything retail. That could be anything retail. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some bullshit title that they give you to make you feel important, but you're still making as much money as you used to or as little money as you used little, to. Little
0: money as everybody else you're supposed to have power over. Yeah. <laughs> you can oh, have all the great. power and responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> None of the the pay and the benefit. No, no. I will retain yeah. those. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it'll look great on your resume.
0: <laughs> For your uh, inevitable second Super Crackers franchise. <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> All right. Episode two, attack of the Tims.
1: Okay. So, okay. I have to, um, it's it's, what I I was thinking about this a lot in between in terms of like, okay, like I should have an idea of like the ground I want to cover. And I was like, where did I leave it? So I remember last time I kind of got through college. I got through my undergrad. Um,
0: you went to the sound therapy conference,
1: Okay, so I did get that And then that it
0: was far. about okay. to get real culty. <laughs>
1: okay, that's, what, yeah. So this was still at the point where I was kind of, um, yeah, I was per- pursuing world music from a composer's perspective, where it's like, okay, I want to study the music of other cultures and other countries and ancient cultures and things like that to sort of bring into my composition. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I had kind of gone through this sort of like, you know, spiritual revelation type thing. And that was kind of, I don't don't want to say revelation. It was, you know, um, it wasn't like I understood the nature of the universe. It was like, I, I, but at least I I think I was felt, I felt like I was moving towards understanding at least my, my role in it, you know, um, which, which I feel like, you know, is, I mean, if you're self-centered, yeah, that's more important (laughs) than understanding the nature (laughs) of the whole universe. Um, so where this kind of left me was like, there was, yeah. So, that, so, so that sound healing conference kind of opened the door to this whole new thing. Um, and, and just to kind of preface this, I'll kind of, I might go back and forth. So with that whole thing, I, there, there are basically two terms I've kind of narrowed down either sound healing or sacred sound. They're kind of interchangeable and they kind of become this sort of thing. And I, um, at one point I was kind of convinced to not use the word healing because then that's when you can kind of get into lawsuits. You know, if you're like, I'm a sound healer <laughs> right. and someone's paying you and they're like, well, I'm not healed. And it's like, Oh, you know, it, it definitely say, has you know, a
0: connotation for a specific it's
1: right. You know. Yeah. Um, So, so in terms of, you know, being a sacred sound practitioner, I ended up going from just the purely compositional aspect of this um to, okay, so being a, a, you know, a sound healing practitioner is like a thing you could do. Um, like, you know, there's a massage therapist or like, you know, like a Reiki practitioner. Um, Acupuncturist. Right, yeah. Um, so, oh, so actually, wait, I need to back up a little bit because the sort of, the, the big, and part of why this is a, a whole new section. Uh, so I was, I was, kind of struggling with these, again, these two things, this idea of like, okay, I want to push my music forward, my creative compositional style forward. Um, But I'm also kind of searching for some sort of like, you know, spiritual meaning to things. And at one point, my mom was like, oh, you know, this, uh, I saw this woman that I know, and I was telling her kind of about what you're what you're into. And she said that, you know, her friend's daughter, is, you know, does Reiki, does all this stuff, this, this, and that, you know, maybe you two should meet. So, um, I think what they did was my mom set up, it was like a meeting. It was like me and her, and then this woman, and she was bringing her friend's daughter. And so we ended up meeting at one of, one of my favorite restaurants when I go back to Rhode Island. And it was kind of one of those things where it was just like, Oh, so it's a girl. Okay. So
0: <laughs> is this is super like, like matchmaker but also a little creepy. Yeah. Like, is this, I, is this a, a East coast thing too? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think my mom ever
1: would have set me up with anybody. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that my mom was doing it for the sake of setting okay. me up because uh-huh. like, you know, my mom had never met, you know, like the, the friend's daughter. She just knew this one woman. Um, and
0: I just imagine I think, like a very new England accent, like they're both into freaky shit,
1: maybe they'll get together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of it, you know, like, yeah, that it was just kind of like, you know, and, and I think, you know, I think my mom's intentions were like, okay, you know, he kind of doesn't really know. Kind of what to do with this, and like I, you know, I was kind of interested in that, the idea of Reiki, but I didn't know how to go about looking into it really. And um, you know, at this point, the internet was still kind of new, so it wasn't just like the reaction wasn't just like Google it, you know. I'd like I actually I don't even think Google had been around at this point. So this was like two thousand one, two thousand two. Like maybe, like I remember soon after I graduated was when Gmail started. Gotcha. I remember that was that's the origin of my email address, the the Tim Gerard, is because. A friend of mine was like, hey, Google just started an email service, but it's by invite only. So I've got one of the first, well, you know, so I'm going to send you an invite so you can actually get a Gmail account before almost anyone. And I was like, cool, I can have Gerard at gmail.com, but that was already it was taken. Already taken. And it was like, fuck you, this thing's brand new. Like, why is it already taken? So that's where the, you know, well, fuck you, I'm the Tim Gerard. you know. So sorry, Gerard at gmail.com, but fuck you. <laughs> that was supposed to be my, my email address. <laughs> um but anyway so 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 yeah so this is just to kind of you know putting it in this time frame where yeah it wasn't you know I, again google may have existed but we didn't all have like um and i think i don't even think smartphones were a thing at this point right. so it wasn't like been you could like LOL,
0: this would yeah. have been like yahoo or like, yeah
1: maybe if i did some dial up and then yeah you know looked into it but it's like you know it was also just not as ingrained at that point either that like oh what is that let me google it really quick on my phone you know um I remember
0: being taught how to use like ask Jeeves or Yak hooligans at at school <laughs> like in elementary school it's like hey make sure you go to this search engine yeah. and ask you these ask very an, specific things <laughs>
1: ask an imaginary butler to google stuff for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this was kind of the you know I, I think things were a lot more um Esoteric at this point. You know, it's like if you wanted to find out about someone, something, you had to like find a book or find a person or go to a place, you know. Um, so, so, so we met. It was kind of one of those things where in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, I wonder if we'll hit it off. But it, I was also in like a really weird place because I was kind of like, okay, there's all this stuff kind of going on. Like I'm, and oh, and actually, Um, so yeah, significant part of this. I think I talked about this last time too, is this, this must've been after 2003 or maybe during 2003, because we, we also, this was after my, my dad had died. So one of the things, and this is, this is where we get the first inkling that stuff isn't right. During that meeting, this, this girl that I just met starts telling my mom that my dad is telling her stuff that my dad is talking to her from beyond the grave. So were the napkins
0: uh, on the table red? <laughs> were, there, were, there, were there literal led red flags at this dinner?
1: <laughs> so and and you know, and this was also at a point, you know, again, I was I was a lot younger, I was a lot more kind of open to the idea of things. And I I also want to preface this that I uh probably still to this day have never experienced anything supernatural. So Um, you know, and I know that's, that's kind of part of it is like when sometimes, um, you know, when I've had interactions with people, you know, they're kind of telling me firsthand, like I've heard voices or I've seen this or, you know, and it's like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not going to question your experience, you know, but, but for me, it's like, I, I've kind of, I've always hoped that, that there's more to the world than what we can just see with our eyes. Which has kind of left me open to the possibility of these things, even though I've never experienced anything that, that can't be explained or can only be explained by some fringe thing. Um, and this actually comes up later, where <laughs> where you know, an, an experience that a bunch of people were, were claiming was supernatural. I was like, no, that's just this. So if I forget to bring that in, bring that up again, because um, I don't want a midsummer I don't get there too soon. Um, <laughs> but but, you know, so again, so I've I've always been like optimistic and open-minded about the possibility of these things, but I've never, you know, there's no, there's no story from my past where it's like, Oh, I've seen a ghost or I think that the most, the closest to that was one time when me and my friend were in college at the fine arts building, um, after hours. And we saw this flash of light that we couldn't explain. Um, but that was it. It was a flash of light. It probably could be explained. We just, we couldn't explain it, you know? Um, so, yeah, so there's been nothing that's sort of – or, I mean, there's definitely been things with my, like, mind-playing tricks on me. Um, when I was younger, I was staying at my, my uncle's house, my aunt and uncle's house, and they had the book uh, Communion, which is about an alien abduction. And they made a movie about it later where Christopher Walken plays the main character. So if you get a chance to see it, it's, <laughs> it's really fucked up. Um, but I read that book as a child and from that point on assumed at some point I was going to be abducted by aliens. So every time I would stay at their house, like that was just sort of in my head. And I just like, you know, I would turn around and I would see something like, oh, it's an alien. But, you know, there was never anything actually there. It was more like my mind just programmed to believing that I was going to see an alien at some point. But, yeah, nothing bad or supernatural ever happened. Um, unless I just don't remember it. Because that's some of the things, one of the things they tell you in the book is that if you if you ever wake up and have a, remember having a dream about owls? It's because, you know, the, how the aliens have these big ass eyes, like they huh. kind of will wipe your brain, but your brain is trying to kind of explain what it saw. So it takes like kind of the shape of the alien's head. It's so like, oh yeah, it's an owl. And so it's a way of your brain kind of explaining away what happened. Um, so yeah, so n- nothing like that. I've never. I like how
0: the in your like the last episode, part one, it was all about like your sec secular upbringing rather than like the weird fringe shit that like makes us who we are and like yeah. <laughs> weird things that we read that become gospel to us. So I'm I'm yeah I'm glad that we're getting to backtrack a little bit, a little behind the scenes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and actually, while we're doing that too, was there was actually a period I think in middle school where I like legit wanted to be a, a vampire hunter, but I would actually find in the school library, they had nonfiction books about vampires, which usually turned out to be these fucked up people who would like, you know, drink the blood of people thinking right. it was going to make them or bathe in virgins blood and, you know, fucking rich white people shit, you know, that people <laughs> used <to do> that. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, you're not a vampire. You're just, you know, you're just white and rich and you get to do what you want. You know? <laughs> so, um, which, which morphed into, you know, after reading Anne Rice, the idea of being a vampire was romanticized. It's like, Oh no, wait, I don't want to hunt vampires. I want to be a vampire. <laughs> so, so that was also part of that, that worked its way into that. Um, so I met this person and and I, I do want to steer clear of talking too much about our relationship, but, but, you know, we did end up being, you know, a, a couple and I use the term loosely because it was very rocky. It was very, um, very unhealthy. Um, But for, for, for years we were together. And uh, while I don't want to focus on, on, and I, I will say this, that I think part of what was unhealthy about our relationship was I was also looking to her, like the reason we met was, you know, to possibly have this, this teacher, this person who could kind of teach me about this sort of spiritual world. But that also got wrapped up. And, and when you have that dynamic, dynamic with someone that you're in a relationship with, it's very hard to be on kind of equal ground to kind of Mm -hmm. be, you know, partners, if it's like, oh, you know, about this, and I don't please teach me. And to be fair, a lot of my sort of insecurity about all of this stuff I was trying to do, like, you know, like talk to dead people or be able to like see energy and feel energy and do this. Like I I couldn't do any of it, you know? And I think, you know, there were times when I would kind of lash out and be like, well, it mustn't be real then if I can't do it, you know, because I didn't want to admit that it was just something that I couldn't do. Um We had other problems besides that, that just were regular ass relationship problems. So again, I don't want to get into that, but that's its own to,
0: episode. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But but to speak on the, the part of, you know, yeah, it's very complicated to have someone that you're like, Oh, you're supposed to be this uh, a spiritual teacher to me. Um, Yet, yeah, we're trying to be equals in a relationship here. Um, So, yeah, that was, I think that was kind of a problem right off the bat. Um, Aside from the fact that, you know, I think one of the things I've learned from all this, just to kind of jump to the, it's not a a, a big spoiler ending, but um, the, the idea that I was kind of looking to a person. You know, and just being, you know, and I know that that's in a lot of traditions, that's, that's the thing, whether it's like, you know, you've got a congregation of people looking at a, preach, a preacher or a priest or, you know, someone who's kind of standing up there telling you things. Or, you know, you have this more kind of one-on-one, you know, relationship with a guru who it's like, oh, I'm going to teach you everything I know. Um, you know, it, it's especially not a healthy thing to have in a relationship, but it's also, I think, just in general, not not healthy to just be like, I'm just going to listen to you and only you to kind of tell me what to do. And to be fair to her, I like, I don't think she wanted that job. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think she wanted to be responsible for all these answers I was looking for. Um, and I mean, and I, you know, so she was kind of trying to to help by kind of taking me, Oh, well, here's this new age store that I go to and they have classes and they do this and all this other stuff. And so, you know, so I would kind of go with her to those things a lot of those things were also people who, um, for the, for the sake of not being shitty, I will phrase it this way: who who could do these things, you know, um, like like I, I went one time to a um, like a, a medium circle. I forget what the name of it was, but it was all people who were either mediums and could talk to the dead, or people who wanted to learn how to talk to the dead. And you all paid like ten dollars to just sit there. And like, we're going to practice. And it was this led by this one guy, and he was kind of telling us. Um, and that was the thing, too, is that I, I, I very quickly learned a lot of people who are doing this stuff are either um, kind of arrogant about it, which I feel like, you know, the whole this whole idea of like enlightenment is you're supposed to kind of move past ego, you know, and I was constantly criticized from like, oh, well, it's your ego is getting in the way, you know, and and it's like well, all these people who are supposed to be you know the people we're learning from are have pretty big fucking egos too like funny how um, that works
0: also yeah. insert t-shirt size joke here where was the large class was the guy in front the large rather than the mediums sorry i have to make these jokes i'm contractually obligated yeah, by funny. this microphone stand <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like the the and it's a thing like to to And that's something that's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way is that this, like, especially with, like, preachers and stuff, like, we're supposed to all be on this journey together, right? Right. So why do you get to tell me that I'm sitting and I'm the one that's going to hell? And it's not we. It's never we. Right. With with these guys. And it's usually guys. But it's usually it's you people down there Mm -hmm. where I'm up here and I'm asking you for money for the building fund for some reason. We can't buy a fucking thing with a working air conditioner like but like yeah there there's a certain i mean it's a certain it's same thing with like kind of elected officials right like this Mm -hmm. this specific personality type this specific ego that that makes you think that you should be in charge of a spiritual journey or a constituency or all like there it's it's a specific personality trait to to elevate yourself and and put yourself in that place rather than being a fellow learner. Right. Like, and that's
1: something yeah. that I've always, when the dude is standing up, up there, there's a problem. <laughs> well, and, and it's different too, because it's like, you know, as a musician, I've been like a music teacher. mm mm-hmm. But it's like, it's somehow a different vibe when it's just like, yeah, I've played the drums for 20 years and you want to play the drums, I'll teach you what I know about playing the drums, you know, right. as opposed to like with this, it's, it, it's I don't know. And I guess maybe part of it too, is that I, I, I've, I've worked and practiced and learned to be able to play the drums and be better at playing the drums. And maybe that's part of it. Like a lot of these people, I think the at least a lot of the ones I've seen, like they, they were kind of born with this thing that they could do and they could, they could, you know, again, I won't be shitty and say, supposedly, we'll get to that later. I definitely, (laughs) um, but like, you know, where it's kind of like, okay, like if you've been able to see ghosts since you were a kid, like why are you so arrogant you didn't work to make this happen you know like i i i'm working my ass off trying to figure out how to break on through to the other side <laughs> and and you're kind of like you know talk about oh yeah you know me and my wife will be out and be like oh see the little girl oh yeah and she's wearing, with pigtails yeah and just like talking about like ghosts and shit they're seeing all over the place and it's like like that, that that's cool but teach me how to do it that's why i'm here like mm-hmm. don't don't brag about how easily you can do it tell me how to do it um And that was a big part of it, too, is like I, you know, at this up until this point, I had been in school and in college and had teachers. And that's what teachers do is they say, follow these steps and you will get good at this thing and be able to do this thing. And with a lot of this stuff, it was like it was always like a a criticism of, of me. It was some some wrong with me that i couldn't do this stuff you know and it was just like oh well it's because you're thinking too much about it you're getting you know the left side of your brain you know letting it control you and you've got to you know use your intuition instead and you know and this that then every time i thought i was using my intuition it's like no you're doing it wrong that's not what you're supposed to do it's like okay like well then tell me what to do well no i can't tell you you know it was just it was just like constantly mixed messages and you know this was both from my girlfriend at the time and other people i was working with um so it was just like it was it was it was very frustrating like that I was like I'm I'm open to this like I want to believe this is a thing like I'm not coming in as a skeptic saying this isn't real and having you try to force this on me like I'm saying show me how to do this and nobody could you know um, whether it was something like you know like you know uh, seeing people's auras or, or 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 seeing ghosts or 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 you know or, or feeling energy or you know anything all these all these things that I was constantly hearing people could do, uh, but I couldn't, you know? Um, so, so that was part of the, yeah, the frustrating thing is again, yeah, it's not just sort of like, Oh, we'll just study with a teacher, follow these steps and you can do it. It's, you know, I think a lot of the people, and, and to be fair, this happens in the music world too, where some of the best musicians are terrible teachers because they can do what they can do they don't know how they learned how to do it. If you have all this natural talent, at something, how do you teach that to someone who has no natural talent? You know? And, and, you know, I, I've seen that a, a ton of times with, with teachers where, you know, it's like, yeah, I studied with this person cause they're world renowned and, and I, I didn't learn anything from them. It's like, yeah, because if they're, if they were that good from the get go, they don't know how to struggle and, and practice and learn and, 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 and fight to, to you know, master these things, you know? Um, and I think that was probably part of the issue was maybe, you know, it was all people who were doing it naturally and couldn't explain how to do it. At one point I was at this, you know, and there are a few new age bookstores that I knew of. So I would go there and I would look around and find all these really cool things. And um, a lot of the books at new age bookstores are, are very much like, you know, they kind of will have these interesting, like, Oh, the, the this code and Oh, Oh, also this pre this was um pre, what was the year that was the mind calendar was supposed to end and everyone was all 2012, pre- 2012. This was also pre 2012. Okay. So, so half the books in the new age stores were like about 2012 and the shift and all, you know, and all the, and it, there were so many of these just like catchphrases and catch words and that were being thrown out, um, And this was a huge thing that used to bug me, too, is that like you would just hear all of these words kind of used. And I mean, you you probably kind of know somewhat what I'm talking about. You hear, you know, like that, there's that whole uh, blog about um, I think it's called stay out of my namaste place. And it's about all things that people have heard white women doing yoga say <laughs> in Boulder specifically. So this is, you know, this is like, you know, this one person runs it. I don't know if they, they live in Boulder. It's, you know, stupid things that, you know, and that's one like the whole idea of, you know, and that's the, the title kind of sums that up. The idea of, you know, stay out of my namaste place. A lot of people look at, you know, they'll just throw out this word namaste and what it means. And I'll, I'll butcher it you know, for people who don't know is, um, Basically, the the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. It's basically a greeting to say to someone to be like, "Hey, we we are both, you know, the same." You know, it's kind of like a, a less cheesy way of saying we are all one. But it's like you're acknowledging someone, not just as like, "Oh, you're this different person." It's just like, no, like at our core, we are we are the same. We are both divine beings, you know. And it's this it's this nice thing. But it's it just, not it, a
0: location for you to to. Right, it's not a off thing, it's the same and have bit. a yeah, boundary exactly.
1: That's like yeah. So so there's like plenty of stuff like that, and just plenty of uh you know just phrases that get thrown around, and it's like I'm sure plenty of people know and and you know mean it with all their heart when they're saying it, but plenty of people don't. And it's also part of like you know when you get into that kind of world, um, where you know everyone's throwing these words around, you start feeling like okay, maybe I should throw those words around or. Or, or you know, or, or you know, giving people different greetings and sounds like church, yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Like yeah. you don't say "bless you" until unless somebody sneezes, right? Like or have right. a blessed day. Like the vernacular is also and and the the phoniness behind the vernacular and the misuse of the vernacular. You know, like I'll pray for you, like I'll pray on it, thoughts and prayers. All oh, that whole mess right. is yeah. definitely in the same vein as this. This it's a social situation. People who aren't buying into it, but want to appear that they're buying into it, are using these, these words as, as armor in a certain sense.
1: Yeah. But, or, or for someone like me, like I want to buy into it. So does it start right. with the catchphrases? You know, right. if it's not working for me, I say core, it if I don't
0: really feel it. Right. right.
1: And maybe, it, you know, kind of fake it till you make it. and right. Eventually I'll start to, you know, it's like, um, so, Oh, so the little tidbit. So in one of these new age bookstores, I found this book, Um, another thing that I also found really cool is the idea of sacred geometry Mm -hmm. that, you know, which basically is, it's nothing fancy. It's just like when you stop and look at the, like certain correlations within geometry, just how, how, how fantastic they are, you know, and how, how certain they like for like one of the examples is that, you know, if you take, uh, six circles will fit perfectly around a center circle with all the edges touching all the other ones, you know? And, and it's one of those things that's like, well, well, yeah, sure. But it's like, well, well, no, not, yeah, sure. Because if you have five circles, then they're not all touching. And it's, you know, it's the fact that like, you know, kind of like with, with, with pie, you know, this idea that like every circle has that ratio. Was it between like the, the, the radius and the circumference and all that stuff, you know? So, and again, it's one of those things that could be looked at as just like, well, that's just science and nature and how these things work out. And, you know, um, you know, or, you know, for example, another, you know, one of my favorites is like the Fibonacci series, you know, kind of where you take a, you know, a number and you add the number before it in the series, you know, you see so you get like one, one plus zero is one, one plus one is two, two plus one is three, three plus two is five. And again, you get this whole series and how that series is found in nature all over the place or like the, you know, the golden mean things like that. Um, and again, I'm not the first person to be interested in this. Plenty of people, you know, back to Pythagoras, you know, like have been interested in all these things. Um, but it's something that, and, and again, you can look at it and say, wow, isn't that cool that these things kind of tie the universe together. You could, some people will be like, yeah, that's science and math. That's how it works. Other people say, oh, it's, you know, it's it's evidence that there's a God who sort of planned all that stuff and wrote all those rules. Um, I. I I don't care which one it is. I just find it interesting, you know? Gotcha. And I was kind of
0: curious with like people following it as a same with like numerology, I guess is that the, I think that's the right way of saying it. Like, yeah.
1: well, numerology is weird because there's more like, Oh, well if you take any number and then you add up the digits in that number and it's like, so it, it becomes more about kind of like the symbols of the right. numbers and kind of distilling them because like you kind of lose Um, it's also based on the fact that we have like a base 10 numbering system. Mm -hmm. So you could basically narrow any, any number. If you add them up and just keep adding all the digits up, you get to something either from, you know, one through nine, you know, and, but that's only because that 10 is one plus zero, which goes back to one. You know, if we had a simple, if we had a base 11 system where 10 was a single digit, you know, then we would have, you know, one through 10, whatever, you know, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's way different. And that was one of the things in the movie Pi, where, where, when he goes to see his teacher and he's like, you know, you're a mathematician, what you're, you know, you're, what you're talking about sounds more like numerology, you know, it sounds, it's like, it's like astrology, but with numbers, you know, Um, again, which astrology is different from astronomy, which is the study of actual things in in the universe as opposed to like, you know, well, this is the day I was born. So my whole life is mapped out and, things you know which to be fair i also don't think it's crazy to think that where the planets are um can affect us because the, you know the moon affects the tides so if you have the moon which is affecting something as big as the fucking oceans like how can you say it doesn't have an effect on on people who right. are made of mostly water um well, i was I just
0: curious with know. with with divine geometry I, I just i've never i've always heard it talked about but never in a sense like what is this as a a basis for belief whereas i mean as a a a signal that this is engineered or there's there's some there's some order to the universe i I guess is the way you would extend it Hmm. um but i get i guess for me it's just like well we invented numbers right like and right math right like we we these concepts are are, are symbols we divined as a, a way of explaining the world around us. So, and we like things that that match up. So it's like I don't see pi as a divine thing. I think it's it's a number without end. It,
1: it, well, right? like, well, what the number is is based on our numbering system, mm-hmm. but the ratio. Oh, you're is saying something the ratio that's consistent I from see. each certain, regardless of size. So
0: it's defying so, in a sense our symbology by being right. a number that can't be accurately expressed within it. Mm-hmm. Like the area under a curve that goes to infinity, right? Like you never quite get also s- circles are shapes with infinite sides. Right. <laughs> so you can't get in, in reality, you cannot make a circle. That's a perfect circle. It's o- it only exists conceptually. So you yeah. need a number that also works with that pi. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, and, that, and that's part of it, too. I think that that's exactly, you know, the difference is, you know, in, in dealing with geometry, you are dealing with shapes and physical things, not just the numbers, not just the numbers that we've sort of attached to things. Um, you know, and, and I mean, you know, part of the math is kind of our, our language that we invented to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, the, the number 3.14, yada, 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 that, that's insignificant that that what that number is is man made but the the ratio is what's what's there, and it's consistent um, you know same thing with like the golden ratio the you know one point six one eight or point six one eight whatever those numbers are insignificant, but the fact that like
0: the relationship yeah. that it is calling yeah. or it's referring to is is the thing behind the concept. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: that you can make that golden rectangle where if you have a golden rectangle and you cut a square out of it, the rectangle you're left with will have the exact same ratio, you know, and you could do that for infinity, you know, and that, so that idea, you know. Um, so, so anyway, that was kind of just something, you know, I've, I've, I mean, I've always liked math and, you know, geometry as a part of math. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I found interesting about it. So, so the book I got was... Uh, I, th- uh, I was going to look it up too, but it's, it's not important. You shouldn't read it. Um, <laughs> I think it was like, it's something called like the ancient secret of the flower of life. I think was what the book was called. And it was good gotcha. by a guy named uh, Drunvalo Melchizedek.
0: That was um, off the tongue. I'm just going to like, I, I'm, I'm slipping. It. Sorry. I'm being. No, sure. no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> that's no, it's fine. Uh, I, because, you know, again, it's like part of why I'm talking about this is it is sort of part of my past that, you know, looking back on it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I took things way too seriously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, part of what, what drew this to me is there's, there's this thing called the flower of life, which is uh, it's 19 circles. And it basically starts with that idea that I said with one circle in the middle and then six circles around it. And they perfectly touch the sides of the center circle. And then, uh, for, without going into too much detail, trying to describe it, you can Google it. Um, and, <laughs> In the center of that center circle, basically, there's another circle that comes off of each. I think six more circles that comes off of that that midpoint of that center circle. And basically, where the circles in it intersect kind of create these little petals. And that kind of does that for, um, I forget, again, I think there are a total of 19 circles in, in the pattern. I mean, you can go out for infinity, but to put an endpoint on it. Um, so it's basically these layers of circles, but it creates this big flower grid hexagonal type thing and i was like oh that's so cool so so i'm reading this book and it's getting into sort of like you know again it had uh basically for lack of a better term term it kind of was kind of like with the matrix was tying everything together for me like i think it was mm-hmm. talking about music in there it was talking about geometry it was talking about uh, ancient Egyptians and Atlanteans and Lemurians and like all, you know, all of the, these ancient cultures and like different frequencies. And, and, and it was just like, Oh man, like this is the thing. So that book kind of really had me going for a while. and I definitely hit a point where I was just like, okay, wait, what? Uh, you know, because they did talk about Atlantis in that book, and I think maybe at one point I was at a point where I was like, "Yeah, sure, maybe Atlantis was real. We don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. It's it sank to the bottom of the ocean. We can't find it. You know, it doesn't mean it wasn't real." <laughs> um, if someone told me the other day, "Oh, Atlantis was discovered," I'd be like, "Oh, okay." I wouldn't be like, "I knew it," but I also wouldn't be like, "No, they didn't." Like, I don't fucking know. You know, and and that's sort of the you know the kind of where I've landed with a lot of stuff like that. Same thing as with like with with God. It's like whether you believe or don't believe in God, like that's fine, whatever. But the people who say, I know God does not exist. It's like, no, you don't like, there's no way to know that, <laughs> you know, um, there's a, there's a funny thing that a comedian said. I do not mention it because he's a, he's a comedian who has now been, um, uh, uh, uh canceled. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, give him, um, props for anything, but yeah, had sort of a, 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 you know, that sort of sentiment that it's just like, just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean it doesn't exist, you know? Um, <laughs> So, so that's kind of where I find myself with a lot of things is kind of in the middle. Like, you know, if I, if I found out that Atlantis was real and they discovered it, I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be skeptical. They're like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that there, you know, there's this place down in the fucking bottom of the ocean. Who the fuck knows? But anyway, um, but I, I also wouldn't tell people like, no, no, there's evidence that Atlantis was real. And because it's like, eh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so anyway, so this book, you know, and, and, it kind of stuck with me for a while. Um, so yeah, that'll come back later. So, so one of the things that I, I left out a detail that is actually kind of interesting and I will put it in for fairness of, of kind of playing both sides of this argument. So when at this meeting with my mom, the, the, you know, my, my soon to be girlfriend at the time, she, she told my mom that my dad was giving her a message And he was saying baseball, which I was just like, what, (laughs) you know, it it was, it was such like a not, I mean, in like my, and of course, like what, and and to be fair, I don't think she was, she wasn't like a con artist trying to get money out of my mom. Like, Mm -hmm. I think she was trying to. You know, there was this thing that she probably kind of felt for a while. It was like, oh, you know, I can, like, dead people talk to me, but that's weird, and people don't want to hear about that, you know. And and kind of getting to the point where it's like, well, no, like this, if this is a gift that I have, I'm going to, you know, start using it. So, so she was kind of throwing it out there, and and also what I've heard people say is that when people are trying to con you. They're trying to get information from you and then they'll change what they're saying. Right. So one of the things is that she kind of stuck with that. She stuck to her guns, like no baseball. That's what he, I just keep getting is baseball. So, my mom, was, yeah. <laughs> My mom was like, well, you know, before dad died, he used to watch baseball games on TV. And it's just like, yeah, but that wasn't something with you guys. That wasn't something we really did together. That wasn't something with me. Like we, I mean, we played catch a little bit as a kid, but I wasn't an athletic kid. So it was like, that wasn't important to either of us. So fast forward to how I said that, that time when I went, where it was a bunch of people kind of doing mediumship stuff and we're all sitting around and we're all talking and there was this one woman who was actually kind of interested and she kind of like, uh, uh, kind of called me out on a few things like, you know, because, you know, sort of some issues, um, with, with, you know, my, my dad being sick and him dying and stuff like that. And she actually kind of called me out on some of the feelings I had that I had never told anybody and she, she kind of looked me dead in the eye and she's like, you know, you know, the way you're, you're thinking about this is, is I forget how she, I, I don't want to say maybe inappropriate or something like that. And she's like, you know, and and I was just like, I was just like, shit. Like she was right. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. And one of the other people in the room who, who was kind of new at this was like, you know, and Oh, that was part of what we did is like, we were supposed to take turns. If we, we could either try to do the medium stuff or, we could say who like someone we wanted them to try to contact for us. So I wasn't trying to do do it. I was like, Oh, well, you know, my dad. So like, uh, and that's when like, they went around the circle and basically, and that was sort of the thing is again, you weren't doing this as like, I'm going to go see a professional. It's like, these are all people practicing. Mm -hmm. So you're getting it for only $10 But it's also, like, you may get useful information, you may not, but it's to give the people a chance to practice. So one of the people in the circle who, like, as far as I know, none of us had met, like me or my girlfriend. Some other person in the circle was like, yeah, I'm getting baseball. And I, like, look at my girlfriend, like, what what the fuck? Like, (laughs) which, I mean, and again, like, when someone's trying to con you, they're listening to things you're saying, and they're going to match stuff that's going to make it seem like oh, you said the perfect thing that you never would have known. It's like, idiot, you said an hour ago, yada, 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 and that's why mm-hmm. they repeated it. But, you know, since baseball was not a connection that I would have been talking about, and, and, and also other people had done it too – and it's like, the things are various, you know, they, it vary greatly. So again, it's not like I went one-on-one with this person and they're like, Oh, baseball, because it's like, Hey, most people are into baseball. Try bringing up baseball and see if there's a connection. There were a bunch of people who had gone before me and no one had brought up baseball for any of those people until they got to me. And then this person who has never really done mediumship before. And she was like, yeah, I'm getting baseball. So that was weird. Uh, fast forward to just to kind of put an end on this story, fast forward to years and years later. So, you know, the, the, this girl, this woman, um, she, my, my girlfriend at the time, she, um, she was from Blackstone, which is my dad's hometown and her her dad and my dad actually went to the same high school, which we kind of were aware of, you know, cause huh. it's just like, Oh yeah, it was a small town. You know, that was the high school that that my girlfriend had gone to and her parents before her, this, this, and that. Um, you know, and they knew, they knew like the band director that my dad, all this stuff and that. So years and years and years later, toward, I think it was actually towards our relationship. Um, I think my girlfriend's dad was going through small pictures and she was like, oh, look, you know, here, you know, Tim's dad and I were on the same baseball team. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So, again, to, to be fair to all of this, <laughs> here's a story that, that the, the way these three things played out, where it was just like, oh, like, maybe that's, you know, if that's a thing, if that's real, maybe that's what he was trying to say. Like, hey, I played baseball with her dad. You know, like, this this wasn't for my mom or me, or it was more just like, but so again, so it was one of, you know, it was one of those, and it was like, it was like Little League, it was when they were kids, you know, so it wasn't like, um, so, so yeah, so it, it, I feel like that's a neat part of the story, because again, this is part of why I'm like, okay, I'm not a complete skeptic, like, I don't think this is total garbage, like, just because I can't see dead people, doesn't mean nobody can see dead people you know, just because I've never seen a ghost doesn't mean I know for a fact that ghosts don't exist. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that they do. I don't go around like looking for them. Cause I feel like that's a waste of time. Like if I'm going to see one, I'm going to see one, um, you know, but, uh, but it, it, but it, it's little things like that that have kind of kept me at least open to the possibility of things, you know, and maybe, maybe I just, I just really suck at all that stuff, you know? <laughs> um, so, one of the things and I mentioned this before and that's why I had to jump back. So I, I, I decided I was going to try to get into being a sound healing or a sacred sound practitioner. So I started, I bought more of these, these instruments, more more drums, more crystal bowls, Tibetan singing bowls, tuning forks, all this stuff. And I was going to try to, to sort of do all this stuff. And um, at the time I was living in East Greenwich, which is a sort of, um, nicer town in Rhode Island. And uh, I lived there for exactly a year from New Year's day to New Year's Eve night of that same year. Um, it was a, it was a shitty move to have to do. <laughs> cause, cause like me, I procrastinated. I was moving the rest of my shit out like 15 minutes before midnight on New Year's Eve. Cause that's how I roll. Um, but, um, but while I was living there, there was this place on the main, on their main street that had like kind of a new age center, Um, I'm sure they wouldn't like to be called new age, but, um, but it was a bunch of different people who were different practitioners. I mean, some of it was less new agey, like there was an acupuncturist there. Uh, There was someone who did like massage therapy. Um, The woman who ran the place did um, um, breathing, um, which like, yes, breathing is important. (laughs) And yes, people forget to do it the right way. (laughs) But it's also like, God, you have to be the smartest fucking person to figure out a way to get people to pay you money <laughs> to breathe. Uh, and there's more to it. It's a specific technique, and I'm I'm kind of oversimplifying it. But um, and you know, my cousin was kind of helping me out with a lot of this stuff because he has a very business oriented mind and kind of like how to market myself and how to you know this. And so so what was happening during this time was I was trying to to kind of break away from composition into this kind of new thing that was sound related, but not really music related. Um, And I had kind of like, you know, my girlfriend, my cousin, and the woman who ran this place kind of all kind of like, Oh, well, this is how you should approach this and you should do that. And it's kind of like, it's one of those things where like, if someone had said, Hey, do this and you'll make money. Okay. I'll do it. But it's like, everyone kind of has like ideas and, you know, and, and this has happened multiple times in my life where you feel like if you're not taking people's advice and then you're not successful. Like, oh well, is it your fault? Because if you had taken their advice, then it would have worked. And but of course, to take someone's advice who just will casually be like, oh, try this. It's like, okay, you're talking about like hours of work and and weeks of time to, to right. p- implement this thing. And th- you know, you know, so 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 it's kind of a lot of that. Like between these three different. Um, you know, these three different points of view about kind of what I can do to make this work. And, you know, to be fair, you know, they all wanted me to succeed. They were all helping me. Like they weren't doing it for selfish reasons. Like, Oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money off this guy. Um, But so much of it was just kind of like, I, yeah, like I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing and I wanted to, kind of again like learn and get better at this stuff but i didn't never knew who to listen to and and a lot of times all the ideas seemed good but it was more just a matter of like okay am i again am i going to launch myself into this thing for like a month and and nothing comes of it and it's like okay that's a month wasted you know and uh you know and I I did a few things during this time where I would do um, probably one of the more successful things. I I, I started having like drum circles where I had a Mm -hmm. bunch of hand drums that I accumulated. So it's like, let's get a bunch of people together and let's do some drumming and I would kind of, you know, lead them through certain things. And um, which was kind of cool about that because a lot of it had more to do with my drumming experience, like in both in terms of here's how to play the drums, but also here are rhythms that people will be able to follow along easily with, you know, and they're interesting enough where they're not going to get bored, but but simple enough where they're not going to feel like, Oh, I'm not getting it. And, you know, allowing to kind of have like a more meditative type state. Um, you know, I also would go to other drum circles that, you know, were run by like, you know, other people. And it was really fun because like, okay, now I, I'm not running this thing. I can actually kind of have some fun with this, um, and feel like a percussionist again, you know, um, But um, I also, one of the things I started doing was uh, I would do, I guess, like table work on people where they would lay on like a massage table and it would kind of be like, if people were doing massage or Reiki, Um, but I would do stuff either with a drum or with a crystal singing bowl and like, and my voice. And I would kind of do this stuff. Um, And uh, some of that I actually kind of enjoyed because I kind of came up with a system kind of based on some of the stuff I had read and some of the different, you know, taking techniques from different people, you know, uh, around this time, I was also buying a bunch of, you know, this type of, you know, there were other people doing this. Uh, one of the guys who's kind of really big in the sacred sound field actually lives, I think in Boulder, like he lives in Colorado. Mm. Um, And so I had gotten into a lot of his stuff and a lot of other people's stuff. And they had, you know, they would work with the chakra system and they would say like, oh, we'll use, you know, these vowels or these notes and these that, you know, for these things and, um, you know, kind of using what I know about music in terms of like, okay, well, what's going to What's going to sound good and consonant, you know, in terms of relaxation, what's going to sound bad and dissonant in terms of like, okay, if you've got some tension, you know, kind of, you know, referencing the the tension and, you know, whatever stuff is going on with this, you know, and having this, this tension and then a resolution as a way of, you know, cause I remember reading one time in a book is like, you know, if you, um, if you're trying to get yourself to relax, a lot of people just be like, okay, I'm going to relax. And this other thing, it said, like, you know, if you want to relax your hand, don't just tell your hand to relax. Clench your hand and then relax your hand. You know, like, acknowledge what, you know, the most amount of tension is and then release that tension. Don't just take your hand and be like, relax. You know, like, you don't know where you're supposed to go. So I had read this this technique of, like, lying there and basically going through your body and tensing, like, all the muscles in your head, like, your eyes and your, you know. And then relaxing in your shoulders, make your shoulders, and then relax them. So I kind of applied that idea with sound to kind of create disintense sounds for the sake of resolving them. Being like, oh, okay, here, you know. Um, and that's so, a natural
0: extension of composing, right? Because a lot of yeah. what you're when you're you're working with themes and bridges and and those types of things that you're establishing tension right. for an eventual release of it. Mm-hmm. So it, it this is very much what you were trained to do anyway.
1: Right. So, so this is the stuff where I started feeling like, okay, this is where I'm kind of accessing the part of me that knows stuff with part of me. That's kind of like doing this new field. Um, and there were times that, you know, a lot of that would end up, you know, again, sort of be, be criticized. It's like, Oh, well, you're thinking too much about it. You're not using, you're just supposed to feel it. You just put, and it's just like, okay, I guess this thing that's working for me that I feel comfortable with is, is garbage because I came up with it. And I, you know, um, and uh, so there is a story I'll tell. I won't say who it is because it's not sort of my place to kind of reveal this, but someone who is, who is very close to me. um, I had, I had done table work on this person and they were one of the first people I think that I did table work on. And um, I used, I had this specific crystal bowl, which actually had a handle so you could walk around with it. And I, I, you know, did, did this session. and was kind of doing this whole thing where I would, yeah, I would basically like sing the pitch of the crystal bowl and sort of like bend down a half step. So it would get really distant and then bend back up and then bend up a half step and then bend back down. So I kind of did this whole thing and I was like, Oh, how was that? And they were like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever. So months go by and come to find out later, like, and this person never, never told me this, which I I feel like I, there was something I could, but like, after that, like, they were like, it brought up a bunch of like trauma from their past. And they were like a mess for like six months where they were just like cry for no reason. It was just like, like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, like I was doing this thing being like, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And, you know, like if I had, I known I would have, you know, maybe either approached it differently or, or, or something, or, or after that be like, well, you know, do you want me to do it again differently to try to maybe fix this or, you know? So it was like, I remember, I remember like there was part of me that felt shitty about this, but I was like, Oh wow, it worked. Like maybe there is something to this, but then it's just like, but they've been miserable for six months because of what you did and kind of like, that's, that's not a good thing. And it's kind of this like, you know, power and responsibility thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe I should be doing, shouldn't should be doing this because I don't know what effect I'm going to have someone. And then I don't know enough about this type of work to be like, oh, when you have these feelings, here's how you deal with it. And this, you know, like when you go for a massage, they're like, make sure you drink lots of water, you know, it might have released all these toxins, blah, blah, blah. So, so again, there's like the part of me that's just like, okay, there is something to this. But it's also just like, but, but did I do more harm than good? You know, like, you know, should I not be doing this? Because who knows what havoc I'm wreaking on people. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so like, you know, and, and, and I would kind of try these different things. And, and part of what I liked about a lot of this stuff is that it did, like sound did have a very physical component to it. Like it was, it was a lot about feeling the vibration and things like that. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to put on headphones and listen to a song. Um, you know, which is why you know I think like they talk about like sound therapy or music therapy, which I think has to do with like you know affecting your mood with the type of song you're listening to, um, which is a different thing. And that's cool too. You know, if someone's depressed, you don't be like, here, listen to a happy song. You kind of start with a a, a dark song, but you kind of gradually lift the mood to kind of bring them out of it you know but you want to match where they are first but that's also something you could do with pre-existing music you could just make someone a mix mix mixtape or whatever um and i feel like a lot of people probably do that themselves you know they gravitate towards what music in their collection is what they're feeling but then as they kind of move through things like move through a playlist oh okay i'm in a better mood now um, but this was, this was very different. This was very, like I said, it was very, very physical. Um, so it felt more real, I think, because of that, you know, it wasn't just like, um, you know, I feel like a lot of a lot of stuff, too. And this was, this was something that I had brought up originally in that original meeting is that, you know, so much of when we think of music is, is is conditioning, you know, um, like our you know, our Western musical system is sort of this system that's been established. And this is, it basically teaches you how to listen to stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the reasons I was going to music of other cultures, because they have different rules. They have different tuning systems, even, you know, like, you know, they're, they're, they have different sets of pitches, you know, different, you know, divisions of the octave instead of 12, even pitches. Some of them have like 10, you know, evenly spaced you know, or 24 or whatever, you know? So it's like, you're getting different notes than we have, you know, and it's like you kind of grow up just thinking, oh, music just is what it is. A major chord is happy, a minor chord is sad, you know, it's like, no, that's, you know, it's, that's how you were kind of conditioned to hear music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of what I was looking for was almost a way past the art, like into, um, you know, is, is there anything scientific about these sounds? And it eventually led me to, there was this scientist who had done that, I think in the 60s, where he was basically saying that, like, you know uh one of the things is that you know certain frequencies could like destroy cancer cells you know um you know and that he he was supposedly doing all this research and finding like specific frequencies like you know again beyond just oh it's a if you play a note c you'll feel happy like no like like down to the decimal this specific frequency will do this thing and this will do this and i think a lot of what it was compared to is that like uh you know, sometimes when people have kidney stones, you can use like right. ultrasonics to break up kidney stones. Right. So it's like, it's the same principle that you're, you're using a sound a vibration, you know, to kind of get in there and kind of, you know, affect something physical with, with a vibration, you know, um, or like the Brown note is another example, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if you supposedly there's a frequency that can make people shit their pants, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, so that's, that's same thing, you know, it's all, it's all sound. Um, so, okay, so so with the, this stuff, it was kind of working, but it wasn't working, and good kind of things were coming out of it, but also there was more frustration than anything. So I think with this, at one point, my, you know, my then girlfriend, she she had met with this woman who was, uh, you know, I think she was a Reiki practitioner, but also did like other stuff. And and apparently there were things sort of beyond Reiki. It's like Reiki, like Reiki, but it's not, Oh, you do Reiki one, two, and three. It's like, you do this. And it's just like, and she was telling me about this and it's like, Oh, you know, this, this, you know, woman, she, um, what she's doing is she's part of the order of Melchizedek. And I was like, wait a minute, Melchizedek. I have a book by that guy. And it's like, you know, and I think it did some, you know, I think there was some ancient King whose name was Melchizedek, but Or maybe a biblical figure or something. I forget what it was at the time. But then it was like, oh, wait, no. Like, this is a... And I was like, well, is that Drunvalo Melchizedek? And I think I brought that up to her. And she was like, no. I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) So apparently, I think one guy who had... And this guy who wrote this book that I had used to have workshops, I think, back in the day. And I think it was something like one of his students had like broken off from him and was starting his own thing. Whereas, you know, Drunville Melchizedek had the ancient secret of the flower of life, whatever. And this other guy broke off and he started a thing called the Melchizedek method. And it was supposed to be this like all encompassing, you know, everything and multi-dimensional healing was one of the phrases that they use, which what does that mean? And again, there's never an answer. It's just the <laughs> you just got to feel it, you know, like, you know, they, like they would talk a lot, like, here's the thing is like, if you ever dip into um, new agey stuff, they mention the fifth dimension all the time. And it's like, are, are you, are you talking about dimensions in term of like, you know, three spatial dimensions and time is the fourth dimension and five is like, you know, alternate reality. Like, and it's, but they talk about it like it's a place, like you could go through a wormhole and end up in the fifth dimension and it's like, well, what does that mean? And and no one could ever explain that to me. And it's just like, is this just a cool term that you heard? You know, that song, you know, The Age of Aquarius. I think the name of the band who played it is the Fifth Dimension. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is this just part of all this like hippie stuff where you hear all these cool terms? And it's like, but and of course people get angry because I was being right. an asshole about it. But it's like, well then give me a fucking answer. Right. Um so so anyway, and it was this whole thing where um I think my my girlfriend had done it before me. And then I was like, well, you do it and tell me what it's like, because part of this is kind of like making this connection to this thing that I found years ago that I really dug, but part of it seems very different. So I don't know if it's like, if, you know, what if this guy Drunvalo really was an asshole and, you know, I kind of was supposed to kind of go to this, his predecessor, and that's where where it's at. Or what if his predecessor was the asshole and Drunvalo was still knew what was going, you know, so it was like, eventually it came down to it where it was like, okay, um, I don't know if I, and I think I met with the woman who ran the class and she was basically saying, you know, she kind of had me meditate, you know, the answer will come to you. And I think one of the things she said too, is that um, they charged, what was that? I think it was $444 because the number 444 is the number of the angels, whatever that, so again, back to the numerology, which why, what wow. the fuck the angels care about the number 444. And she, and I was like, well, yeah, but it's a lot of money. And she's like, and I forget the way she put it. And this is one of the things that kind of didn't sit with me where she's like, you know, there are some times where, you know, we're able to kind of make, you know, allowances for certain people who don't have the money. So, you know, if you, if you don't have the money, we can talk about it, but if you have the money and you tell us you don't, then that's kind of going to be on your karma, this and that. And the thing was I had the money in the bank, but it was like two days before the end of the month and I had to pay rent with that money but I had it technically. I had it. Oh, wow. So I did the meditating and I was like, I don't know what, what, why this came to me, but it was more just like, I don't know if it was out of a need for just like, what if this is the thing, what if this is the thing that opens the door and what if, you know, what if all these little things led to this point, you know, and this is kind of where, you know, the OCD starts coming back in and kind of adding up to this stuff is like, you know, and it's almost like you, you, there were so many times I felt like I was, you know, Neo with Morpheus. And he's like, here's the red pill. Here's the blue pill. And it's like, if I don't spend this money, am I taking the blue pill? You know, am I, am I backing off of this journey that this could be the thing that breaks me through to the other side? So, so I did it. Um, And it was like a weekend. I think it was like Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. Um, And it ended up being very, kind of healing for me because i did i worked through a bunch of my own stuff but Mm -hmm. this was also supposed to be like teaching me to be this like great healer and use all this stuff and and you know it's funny too because like you know um you know i mentioned earlier like using the chakra system like that's what a lot of kind of new agey people will kind of tap into because there's there's seven of them or maybe nine if you can kind of go beyond outside below and above your body and then other people like oh well they're the medians in acupuncture so there's actually like a hundred and so th- this was kind of like you know this kind of took everything to the nth degree it's like oh you know there were you know this many chakras and instead of using you know the color spectrum which happens to have seven colors which you know where I landed with that is like, okay, it's not an absolute thing. Like everybody's root chakra isn't actually red, but it's a good way to visualize kind of as you're ascending through your chakras, you have these seven colors that you're familiar with to ascend to as, as well. And it helps you visualize and keep track. Um, but it's not an absolute. So this had all these, it was like there were 20 chakras. And this one is like, you know, what it, I, I, like, like, the color of a dolphin, I think, was one of them. That sort of silverish gray. I think that was one of the colors of the you know, the chakras. And it was just, like, all this Wet very... Sp- yeah, something like that. You know, and it's just, like, okay, sure. And it's, like, I can't remember all this. And there were all these meditations where you were supposed to do all this cool stuff. And I just remember, like, after every meditation, everyone's, like, oh, I was in ancient Egypt with the pharaohs and then i was on the moon and i was talking to all my aunt and i was just like i I was just in a fucking chair the whole time breathing like none of this happened for me you know it was supposed to unlock all this stuff and you're supposed to get into your akashic records and you know again all these fancy things oh oh and that was the thing we watched gods of egypt toth is a big part of this like Uh. he's all over the place in this (laughs) you know so it's like oh yeah and you know and and it was just kind of like it was all this stuff that was like supposed to be happening and you're going to see this and you're going to do. And and I mean, to be fair, I'm like terrible at guided meditation. Like I have a hard time visualizing, um, which is why, like, I just kind of resort to like, you know, we've talked about mindfulness before, which just like, it's not about going off to the fucking moon. It's about being in your body and acknowledging that you're a human on earth and to make the best of your time. You know, uh, it's
0: hard with meditation. Like you spend a lot of your time in your, own head about stuff so giving you a quiet room in which to do that is not right not conducive to traveling <laughs> yeah. you know or at yeah. least traveling somewhere that you would like to go rather than catastrophizing right
1: yeah <laughs> yeah or yeah so uh so yeah so it was there was there was a lot of that and i, I so i made it through the weekend and it was very much kind of just like okay, so what now? Like, it it, was that it? Like, am I, am I magic now? Like, can I, can I do things? (laughs) Can I heal people? You know? And it was just like, um, so that was kind of like, I don't want to say it was actually cultish, but that was the closest I think to when I was to felt like being in an actual cult. And it wasn't really because it wasn't like they were trying to get me to like leave my family and everything, but but there is a, in a sense, in, in a lot of the 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 new age different new age circles, I tried out the different groups. It's it is definitely a sense of like, you know, oh, we're we're kind of in on any every on these things that, that other people don't get or they can't see. And it's just like, well, well, fuck you, like I don't I don't get or see any of that shit. But I'm here. I'm trying to make this work. Like you know, it's like, and I just, and again, a lot of it was probably my own insecurity. Maybe those people weren't as much of a dick as I want to remember them to be because it's like, Oh, it was you being a dick to me. Not just that I couldn't make this work. Um, but uh Oh, so, the, so one of the stories that I was going to tell earlier, so that, so that woman who did this, this, this workshop thing, there was one time where she had gone somewhere and I, a big thing with this too was, was aliens you know people are like oh we're trying to contact aliens and get their higher you know uh, level of consciousness and blah blah so she was telling me one time and oh, they used to talk about you know when you take a picture and you see those little those little circles sometimes Mm -hmm. i think it's like dust so so they call those (laughs) orbs and they're like oh well that's like a ghost or an alien and again it's always something it's never something naturally explained it's it's either going to be ghosts or aliens or some or angels or whatever so so it's kind of like, oh, okay. And so she was, she had gone on this trip and it's like, oh, we were in this place where there's supposed to be a lot of alien activity. And we we're trying to this, this and that. And she's like, and we, we got this video of there was, there was an alien. And what was so cool was it wouldn't show up. We couldn't see it with our naked eye, but it showed up on the camera. And she's showing me this video where they're like looking at the viewfinder and they're like, They're like, oh, wow. And that was the thing too is she didn't show me the actual video. I think she was taking a video with her phone of the person who had the video camera filming it. So I was looking at it through the viewfinder and she was kind of showing how like, look, if you look out there, it's not there, but in the viewfinder, there's this orb that's flying around so we can only see it in the camera. And and at one point she's like, look how fast it's zipping back and forth. And it's zipping back and forth as the camera is tilting. It was like a fucking solar flare on the lens (laughs) that was moving as the camera moves because the angle of the sun hitting the lens. So it wasn't this thing that was just moving independently. It was, it was on, and it it was on the camera because you couldn't see it. Like, because it was the lens that was creating the thing. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like these people are just so willing and eager to believe in this supernatural stuff that they're looking at something that's a perfectly natural phenomenon and making it. And it's kind of like, uh, I, I heard the phrase one time where it's like, you know, if you're the type of person who you hear, you hear hoofs and you assume it's a zebra, right? <laughs> like, like why wouldn't you assume it's a horse? Why right. would you go zebra? And I, I used to say, and you know, when I was kind of being shitty with my, with my ex, I'd be like, you hear hoofs and you assume it's a unicorn you know, like, like beyond zebra to something that doesn't exist. Like you, you, you hear a sound. It's like, this right. must be, you know, and, and that was kind of the thing. It was just like, they were. And I think that luckily for me was what kind of, one of the things that kind of broke me out of this, this spell, where it was just like, th- this is not magical. This is not aliens. It's it's the fucking sun hitting the lens of the camera and and I remember one time, too, they were showing videos of, like, oh, look, here's this video of, like, you know, these orbs that will fly around. And, and that's how the crop circles are made. And they showed me a video of a, an orb making a crop circle. And they're, like, oh, isn't that cool? And then, I like, I forget if this was one they showed me or one I found where it does that. And then the little orb signs the name of, like, the person who made the video. And it's just, <laughs> like, I did this in Photoshop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like. And I don't know if, if, if all of them were obviously that, but it's like at least, at very least to prove that this can be done with a computer. Like, you you know, you just can't trust every video you see on the internet and say, oh, um, there was someone who had
0: like the one chink in the armor is enough for the arrow to get through. Right. Like that's, that's the whole point is like, I can show that this is objectively false. So why am, how can I hold up any of the rest of this?
1: Yeah yeah when this is all you know you're just doing it on on faith i saw a video and this thing happened in the video so i believe it it's just like oh well, my god i got news for you <laughs> um and and another big these are the part people that this... need to
0: see kurosawa and just have their minds fucking blown <laughs> like right. if, if simple camera tricks are enough to think these things like
1: Sorry. yeah no no yeah and yeah uh... And yeah and that's exactly it is just like like you you must love going to the movies more than me because you believe everything you see on screen you know and um and and another part of this too that i that I kind of skipped over too is that at the beginning what what seemed really cool about this this kind of journey and and kind of getting into these groups of people is they 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 try to be very all inclusive about uh different different religions and different practices. So, you know, on the one hand, it's like, Oh, well, Archangel Michael, but also Buddha and also red Buffalo calf woman or white Buffalo calf woman. And also, you know, so it's like, they're, they're kind of combining, um, some may say appropriating all of these different ideas (laughs) from all these different faiths and, and religions and, and, you know, methodologies and, you know, whatever you want to call it, like from all over the place. Um, And on the surface, that seemed really cool because, you know, it's like I I, for a while I had liked the idea of, you know, the whole shopping cart religion. Like, oh, I'm going to take this idea from Catholicism, this idea from Buddhism, this idea from, from Islam, this idea from Judaism, you know, you know, the things that kind of click with me. But what ends up happening is like you you get so focused on all of these little like deities that have been parsed out to all these specific parts of your life. That it's like you know it, it becomes like okay well if I have stomach problems who's the saint that I pray to for that and then if it's if I want to remove ob- obstacles okay Ganesha I got to play to Ganesha and do a mantra what's the mantra for Ganesha again because that you know if I want to remove you know, and like you end up kind of and and a lot of what it boiled down to was like well on the one hand I, I think it took me a while to realize and, and to be fair a lot of the people believed in this stuff because, again, they 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 said that they would uh, – I've, I've seen Archangel Michael. He came to me and he talked to me and he said this and that, um, whereas for me, it, you know, those things were kind of ideas. They were meant to, like, represent something, but it, it took me a while, I think, to realize that a lot of people believed all that stuff to be actually, like, true, like there are actual – you know, and, you know, angels and and spirits and, and, you know, and, and and all the, you know, all the Hindu, you know, and and so, so basically their take on it wasn't that like, there was one religion that was right and the others were wrong. Like they were all right about everything. So everything was fair game. So it's like, not only was it like polytheism, it was like poly polytheism, you know, not just (laughs) each religion has many gods, but many religions all have many gods and they're all, they're all legit. Um, and it just, it, it just diluted everything for me, you know, it, it made it so that it was just like, I, Nothing I'm too was special. Caught up. yeah, I'm too, not, not just that, but I'm too caught up in the details, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and part of why I moved away from Catholicism too, was the idea that like, you've got to constantly be working to make God happy about what you're doing. It's like, doesn't God have better shit to do than to, <laughs> to, to look down on me and be like, oh, you know, you could be saving the world but you're scrolling through facebook you know it's like these better things to do you know so but now it's like i'm not just worried about trying to make god happy but i'm trying to make archangel michael and Raphael and, and Zadkiel keel you know and then all the, all the you know and it's like like everyone in Toth. i've got to make sure he's happy with what i'm doing you know and my buffalo calf woman i gotta make sure she's cool so when she comes back she's not like hey were you nice to the planet and the animals and, and it's just like Like, I wasn't getting into this to have more guilt, more, more, yeah, more guilt, but also more, um, uh, uh, more rituals. That was another big thing that came out of this, too, is that like so many people had all these different practices. And what was, what is really cool is a lot of times, you know, they would kind of invent their own rituals based on the different things that resonated with them, you know, and it's like, oh, well, here's my altar with with this thing that has meaning to me and this crystal and this tarot card and this and this and that, and it's like, okay, cool, like at least that's something that you've specialized to you. But for me, like I never really sort of felt a connection to that. I think I tried having an altar once, but it was, it was, it was forced, you know, and, and, you know, it was one of the things that I kind of, uh, thought about you know is that like you know a lot of times people will put like all this importance in in objects you know you mm. um, remember one time having the realization like there's no such thing as an object of power like there's no there's no object that is inherently powerful it's only sort of what we what we imbue into it you know um, and you know and, and I mean like an example of that would be the one ring which is if, if, iffy because within the realm of the story the one ring has power right. but the, with it, but that story is meant to be a metaphor for the things that that you know this like for money or whatever the thing is that has so much power that can kind of bring things crashing down um you know so but you know so that that sort of the thing is like sure in in fictional stories, there are objects of power, but those objects are supposed to represent something. That we've given power to. You know, there's, there's nothing, there's no magical crystal ball where it's like, oh, here's this crystal ball that will, you know, give you all your desires, you know. And, and again, we see that all the time in fiction, you know, um, but, but there's nothing in the world that, that's like that. There's no physical thing that you can take and be like, this thing will give me the answers, you know. Uh, I'm sure, you know, many of them would beg to differ and maybe they have experience with it. And, if if that's the case, I wouldn't argue with them about that. But I'm saying, you know, in, in terms of my experience, I've never sort of gotten, you know, the the the, the magic sword or the, you know, the the, the you know, magic boomerang or you know the thing that's you know the silver arrow. Like there's there's never been something a physical thing in life that's like here, this will slay the beast for you. You know, it's all it's all it's all you doing the work. It's all you know you you know either you know, making decisions or, or, or creating something or, 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 whatever, you know, but there's, you know um, so, so that was a big part of what kind of started to lose me with that stuff too, is like, I like the idea of, of rituals. And I think it was only because I was so used to having a Catholic ritual. I was looking for a ritual to replace it, right. but there was never a ritual that was meaningful enough Um, I think I even tried making my own and and sometimes I'll still do that with like meditation stuff. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this. Or like, you know, I do Tai Chi sometimes. And it's like, this is what I'm going to do for Tai Chi, but it's, um, you know, it's also not, I'm not really also ascribing meaning beyond what I'm doing. You know, it's like, if I'm doing these Tai Chi moves, it's for the sake of, you know, the movement of my body and the ra- relaxation and the breath and this and that. It's not like, I'm not doing it to appease some God or, or angel or deity, or whatever, you know, it's like, it's, it's for me, it's helping me, you know, mm-hmm. relax and calm down and get exercise and all that stuff. Um, so um, yeah, so that was sort of a big part of it. And, and, and it, it really bothered me too, because it's like, kind of starting from a point of, of a monotheistic religion that kind of gives you a specific idea about what God is. And I broke out of that because it's just like, well, I, I had sort of my own ideas about what God might be. And, and that was kind of, I think ultimately like what I was trying to, you know, I was trying to understand like, you know, or, or, or have an idea and get closer to what God might actually be you know, or, or, or wording that another way, the nature of the universe, You know, right. putting it in a more scientific way, if you want. Um, and, and none of this did that. This brought me farther away from that. Cause it's like, that was, you know, and that was my problem with Catholicism is like, well, you have to talk to a priest and the priest will talk to God right. for you. Like, why can't I talk to God myself? And now it's like, well, you've got to talk to you know, Archangel Michael <laughs> and then Archangel Michael will talk to Buddha and then Buddha will talk to Jesus. and Then Jesus will, will, you know, talk to Muhammad. And then, you know, then, they'll talk to Allah for you. And then that's how you get your prayers. And it's like, that's worse. That's, that's, you know, plus there are now all these names of actual people. And then it's like, and now you're also referencing people who, you know, kind of like what you were saying, you know, earlier too, about like putting more importance on these people. Like, you know, I'm not good enough to talk directly to God. I have to talk to these other people who have been deemed worthy to be Mm -hmm. able to talk to God for me on my behalf. It's like the cosmic
0: game of telephone. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like by the time it gets through,
1: it's it's a cosmic pyramid scheme, is what it is.
0: <laughs> Multi level investment strategy or whatever that is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so in the the biggest, I think in in yeah. So I'm 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 wrapping up now, and the thing I'm going to come to next time is is there's there's another thing that kind of I don't want to say took the place of it because it didn't really it's not something that I'm doing instead of that, but it was the thing that finally like clicked and made sense with me again. And that's what my next, the next episode is going to be about. So that's going to be a surprise. But, but one of the things that I also didn't realize and part of why I kind of, you know, kind of lumped this stuff in again, it it was never a, a cult because it was never like one person who like was telling me what to do. And I was following that person and leaving my family, but it was almost like the idea of, of, like the whole new age idea was, was kind of cultish because more so than any other time in my life, like I was farther from being who I was at that time than any other time in my life. And because I was kind of like feeling like, and and trying to, you know, kind of achieve something, understand this stuff, whatever, but I was just basically changing myself into Either what other people were, were you know, saying I needed to be for this stuff to happen, um, well, you know, and, and I mean, a lot of it was I was willingly doing it because I thought this was something I wanted, you know, um, you know, it, it's kind of like being in a relationship when you're young and you don't know any better and you're trying to be this person that you think your mate wants you to be, right? Um, which you know, I think we've all done, but this you know, again was more so than any of that, you know, like. Like at my core, like I really feel like I lost myself in there. Um, And I think that's why I can kind of joke about it now because I'm, I've come back from that and kind of rediscovered myself, but, um, and, and, and why it's one of those things where, you know, along with, like I mentioned last time, organized religion, like, yes, I believe that people have the right to pursue and have their beliefs about stuff. But, but the idea of, you know, either organized religion or even with this, like this, like this, this fucks up with this fucks with people, you know, I mean, you know what, fucking throw capitalism in that, too, like, it's in the same category, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you need to be what this thing wants you to be, so that you can be successful, you know, you need to, you know, conform to this thing, you know, in, in, in order to make it work, you know, and, and who cares if you lose yourself, you know, like later on, whether it be retirement or the afterlife, that's when you get to enjoy yourself, you know? Right. Um, so, so it was kind of, I mean, it was, again, it wasn't like someone took advantage of me, like someone f- kind of forced me into this, but there was those ideas of like, I was very, definitely very like insecure at the time, de- definitely very lost. Um, And, and again, it wasn't like there was one person or one group who kind of swooped in and kind of like steered me in all these directions. Like I was I was making the choices to kind of chip away at pieces of myself to be more like these people around me who it seemed to work for. And, um, and, and again, to be fair, I think it's not even a matter of like, those people are all, um, like, I, I won't say that they're fakes or phonies cause it might be working for them. And I think, but, but for me, it wasn't working for me and I was changing myself to make it work for me. Mm-hmm. Not that that's the case with anybody who does it, but, um, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I think, you know, maybe some people do that with organized religions too. I mean, some people I think just love it and they, they go into it willingly and they, they're accepting that that's who they are within the religion that they, that they practice. Whereas for me, it was like, you know, what it should have been is like, well, if this doesn't work for you, then it's not for you, you know? Right. Um, but for some reason I just wanted it to work. I wanted, I I think I wanted magic. That was kind of the thing. It's like, I wanted to, to, like I said, to reach this point, like in the matrix where, Oh, I finally took the red pill. Boom. My eyes are open. I'm in this new magical world and it's real and I'm here. And it's not a matter of whether or not I believe, you know, it's, it's just, it's fact it's like science, you know, it's, it's the way it is whether you believe in it or not, you know, and I, I, I kind of wanted answers, I think um, yeah. And so part of it is realizing that that's, that's not the point. That's not the point to, 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 to get these, this answer to here's the nature of the universe. You've, you've achieved it in your lifetime. You're done, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the worst thing to come out of it is just like, I, like looking back, there are many moments where like, I don't recognize who I was as a person. And it's also weird too, because you, 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 you hear about people who were in cults and it's like, Oh, you poor thing. Like you were taken advantage of like, I wasn't taking advantage of, I did this to myself, like, why the fuck, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's not like, you know, there, there, there's no one to blame, you know? And and like I said, I think everyone around me was like trying to help. Like no one was trying to take advantage of me. Again, I think with my, with my, with my girlfriend at the time, like there were a lot of other issues within our relationship. I think that, that made it very um, volatile. Um, but like, you know she 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 was just doing I think the best she could to kind of teach me the stuff or kind of like let me know what she knew, but it wasn't you know what worked for her didn't work for me, and I think I kept trying to just cram a square peg in a round hole where it's just like no like make make this happen for me and it's like that that's not something she could have done, and it was kind of unfair of me to kind of put that on her mm. um but yeah, so do not recommend. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say that because it brought me to where I am today and it's a fun story. But, um, you know, and it it, it does make me apprehensive, too, when I hear about other people kind of doing similar things, because it is kind of like, okay, like, are you just going to get lost in all of this, these details? And, you know, you could kind of, I, I think what was frustrating about it was I feel like I was in a better place before I started it. At times, you know, as usually like you go through an experience, you're like, oh, that really sucked. But I came out the other side of, I learned so much more. I'm so much better. You know, um, I, I don't feel I don't think I feel like I was further along, quote unquote, spiritually. I was more just kind of like taken apart <laughs> after mm-hmm. that. Um, to be fair, though, I mean, that whole everything with that, plus all the turmoil with my ex is part of what pushed me to go to Colorado. Um Oh, which is part of, uh try to cram this story in really quick. So the guy I mentioned earlier, his name is Jonathan Goldman. He was one of the, the sound healing, uh, sacred sound kind of musicians, composers I was following. And every year he does a thing in Loveland, Colorado. So this was back when I lived when, in Rhode Island. Like I heard about this and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this thing. So like I paid the money, I think it was like $1,100 for like a nine to 10 day intensive um, which is pretty decent. I think that was all inclusive, like they included your room and board and food and all this stuff. There's like this place up in Loveland that, um, it's like this little commune kind of thing where, um, I think people can, can stay there like as a hotel and you just, you work. So like you work in the kitchen or you clean, like you don't pay money. Um, so, I mean, all the money went to him, but, um, so, but like I did this week and, you know, uh, Again, that was kind of great because I was working with someone who was also a composer who was also creating music. And um, there is a little bit of the whole like don't meet your heroes mixed into that story, but I won't get too much into it because, again, it was a whole experience that was like very intense for a lot of reasons. Um, It was my first time in Colorado. So it was also kind of this big thing, which really, that, that was part of what helped me fall in love with Colorado and maybe want to look into colleges in Colorado. When I was thinking about going to grad school also to be fair it was my ex who suggested, maybe you should go, go to grad school. So it's kind of like, well, you kind of, you know, put the nail in your coffin by being like, yeah, look into, you know, look into college. Yeah. Bye. I'm out of here. Um, So, so yeah, there was a lot of that whole, time period where my life I felt like was just like a mess and kind of like how do I recover from this and then luckily she was like why don't you go to grad school and I was like well while I'm looking at grad schools where else in the country might I want to live Colorado was really nice I loved it out there let's look into schools in Colorado and that's what led me going to DU which although ironically at the time Boulder was my first choice until I went and visited the school and met some of the faculty and I was like oh my god this is terrible. Now I don't know where I want to go to school. And then I went to DU and I was like, oh, this is where I want to go to school. Well, Find... you're talking about
0: being being taken apart in a spiritual sense. Like, it re- it seemed to show, given you a m- newfound respect for your identity, right? And then your journey mm. continued from a, a personal standpoint rather than, okay, my identity has to be wrapped up in what what's happening here right and you're filling 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 your identity with these practices and 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 wrapping up your identity in those whereas at the end you're like well who, who am I anymore? <laughs> What's right. the perspective from which this thing is thinking that the universe, you know, like,
1: yeah,
0: I keep coming back to that. Cause it's my favorite, like,
1: yeah, no, it's perfect. Yeah.
0: Saying, saying something very profound without saying anything, but like, I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear the next chapter of it. Um, And it's, it's also like, you, <laughs> you kind of have to go through the, the, that, it, and luckily it was a situation where It it didn't get as dicey as it could have been, right? Like, and, and you, like, I feel like people go through that journey and and you either emerge or you don't. And, and that's the scary part, right? Right. Um, that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like I always think of you and our friendship the idea, like, you're, you're very. you have an identity and i know what that is right like and it's not wrapped up in one thing but it's like th- that's tim tim is not defining himself by one specific ideology or one specific thing and that that is why we're friends right like i feel like that that's part of i don't know in a very heady place following what you, you were saying and, and kind of list as, as I was listening, kind of realizing kind of the skepticism in myself, though I am more, more open now than I ever have been with like concepts foreign to my Baptist upbringing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but yeah, it, it just, I've been wanting to hear this origin story for Tim for a very long time. And again, like, like the last episode where it's like, I don't really have a whole lot of questions and I'm, I'm making color commentary because that's all I can think to do. Um, And it's just really, I'm really grateful that you're, you're comfortable sharing it. You know, like I think that's a very intimate personal thing and I, it's cool to get to be on the receiving end of the story. So.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of therapeutic for me to talk about it too, because it's like, I, I, you know, there are people who knew me while this was going down. And I mean, a lot of my, my friends at the time ended up getting alienated partially because of this, but also because of, you know, uh, who I was with at the time and kind of the, the shit we were going through where it's like, I just didn't feel like being around people mostly I realized later because people, I was afraid people would be like, you know, you shouldn't be with her. Right. And I didn't want to hear that. Cause that's, that's what happens when you're in that type of thing, you know? And mm. um, You know, it's like you, part of you knows you're not supposed to be in it, but if someone tells you that, then it's like, well, well now I'm going to do it even harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and, and that's, that's one of the things too, I think is that, you know, people talk about ego a lot of the time, you know, and and that was sort of the thing with a lot of this is that ego was kind of like the worst thing, you know, you're supposed to be like removing this sense of of self. And, and, you know, to me, like, it gets to a point, it's like, you know, removing a sense of feeling good about yourself. And it's just like, there's got to be something there that's like an acknowledgement of who I am. And it was just like, there was no little to no tolerance for it. And, you know, and it's it's definitely one of the things that like, I I try to look at that in kind of like an optimistic way that it's like, you know, yeah, like there have definitely been points in my life where I've been like very cocky and very arrogant, you know, and very self-centered. And this definitely kind of like blew that out of the water because it just made me to the point where I was just like, yeah, I, I don't even matter, you know, and then kind of working back from that, you know, and, and not feeling like, you know, anything that I like like you know, even looking at music, for example. Like, you know, it's like if I produce a piece of music, you know, I feel like when I was younger I'd be like, oh wow, I really like that piece of music. It's like, yeah, because I'm awesome. And it's like, no, it's not because I'm awesome, it's because I've worked for fucking hours and hours <laughs> and and picked that thing apart and listened to it so many times that I've I catch every little mistake and I've gone back and tweaked it a thousand, you know, it's like, like, that's why this piece of music sound good. It's something inherent in me that just radiates and becomes this thing. It's, it's, it's because of the, the work that I put into it and, and, you know, which is related to my ego because it's like, you know, it's the part of me that says I am not happy with this. I want to keep working until I'm happy at it, but it's not just this, that, that, you know, that sort of just, you know and and other people would argue with this sentiment but it's like just me is not enough you know it's like i can't just sort of slap down a piece of garbage and be like i wrote this you know and i think that's why i get angry with a lot of creators who will slap down a piece of garbage and be like the fans will eat this up because they love me it's like fuck you man you know your first two albums were great but this is bullshit you know what the fuck is this what is the that fuck Pearl is Jam? bugs is that yes. <laughs> What the fuck? I don't want to hear a song about bugs in your ass. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, you know, so that's the thing is like, I I think that that's one of the the kind of realizations that I had is like you, you, I think, you know, I guess a healthy place of where to be at with ego is like, like, yes, like you... You, you have a right to kind of, you know, seek happiness and to, you know, to, 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 to be self-centered, you know, because like, if you're, if you're, if you don't have your shit straightened out, you're not helping anybody, you know, so straighten your shit out, put yourself first in that sense. But, but, but also like, you know, you, you've also got to make sure that like, yeah, if you're going to put your, your name on something, like, it's not just, oh, well, well, it's, it's, it's just me, you should love it because it's mine. It's like, no, like, you know, it's I'm losing the, the sense of the point. But, but anyway, you know, like, like I said, with the music, it's like you, you, you can't just sort of feel like, well, I've established who I am. That's that's good enough. Or like, I mean, you could look at that in terms of trust. You know, it's like, or like when people <laughs> watched an episode, recent episode of Family Guy, where Lois, like, I'm a good person, but she kept doing all these shitty things. You know, <laughs> and that's, I think that, yeah, that that actually summarizes it more than anything because. So much in my life, I've known people who are supposed to be, like, super religious and, like, I think consider themselves good people because they're religious or spiritual or whatever, but will do shitty things. Now, that's, that's to be fair. We all do shitty things. I'm not saying, you know, no one can ever do a shitty thing, but you don't get to excuse shitty things by just being like, I am... I'm a good person. You know, it's like, if you're a good person it comes from like the, the actions that you're doing, not just, well, I pray. So I'm a good person, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, like that type of thing. It's like, no, that's bullshit. Like put your money where your mouth is kind of thing.
0: Um, I don't know, like if this is in the same kind of semantic conversation as the the ego, but I I, I really like the idea of the small self, right? Like the mm. idea that the person I am when I'm Pissed off that I'm st- stuck in traffic, right? Or that like I'm waiting for a delivery that is delayed. You know it's fucking coming eventually. Oh, there but you. you just can't have it. You you don't have you can't have it right now. So it, it's yeah. making like the the and I think the small self. I think it's 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 a pun, right? Like it's a joke because it seems it makes everything you're thinking about so big. And it kind of shrink. Like instead of being this perspective of the universe observing it, and and in and just experiencing as this lens for the universe, your small self, you're like, this is all that matters. This is all that it's occupying, and I'm mad about it. Or I'm I'm like, and again, like I always put the 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 caveat that like privilege position those kinds of things. But like, and that that's an ego thing. Like how important am I that I need to have my fucking watch here two days earlier than it says they told you when it was going to come. I'm, I'm just talked like, this is, this is self soothing in a certain sense that it's like the, the small self is, is kind of how I consider my ego. Cause the ego is how important am I and what is important and what, what's occupying my time and what's getting in the way of my experiencing the universe and i think i've always had a problem with people being like calling pride a sin because i think there's something inherently backward about that because if if you have no pride in anything then what the fuck are you doing if, if you're not if you can't work at something and and have an, a result that you're proud of or happy with or say okay this this is something I did. This is something I contributed ownership of it. it. it, It's, and that would be an ego thing to do, right? Like to claim and say, Hey, this is great. I put this out there. I actually worked hard on this. And that's always been like a backward sensibility for like, I don't know, like the, the, there is something to be said about putting the ego to, to the side when it gets in the way of things, mm-hmm. And but the the motivation that inspires and in the creativity that inspires and in the beauty that can be created as a result of like no I'm gonna I'm gonna do this I'm gonna like work towards something worth being proud of that's and I I think like when when with organized religion and it, it's like a man, manipulation tool right like it's really like sheep are not proud they don't take pride in anything they just they mindlessly follow so if pride is a sin your flock i mean this is all metaphor for like shepherds and and sheep right mm-hmm. like you follow blindly because you don't take pride in anything and you don't have any enough of a, an ego or self identification or self worth to to call out to create to to question And I think, like it, it, it's there's all of these subtle and not so subtle ways that, like, these ideologies dampen your 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 natural ability to question and create and excel and want to excel and create and question and yeah. So, uh, sorry, that was just a lot on the ego specifically. That like I try to think of ego as small self, where it's like. This is the guy who gets mad when he's stuck in traffic and and that gets in the way of me being able to enjoy the fact that I'm breathing. <laughs> right? Like breathing in traffic is much better than not breathing on <laughs> on a, on a, a uh, empty highway. like <laughs> right. um, Are we having fun yet? <laughs> that is my shameless uh, segue into our discussion of party down um the stars original series that started in 2005 ran for two seasons and stopped basically because adam scott got the job on parks and rec as ben oh, i always Wyatt, wondered
1: about that okay
0: and is coming back for a six episode limited
1: series I did not know that
0: you didn't know that. Okay, no, that so is incredible. Th- this was one of my main motivations for uh, bringing it. Also, I wanted to scoop you because I know this is on your list, and it was something that uh, uh, I I rewatched since like I started basically the day of the last episode that we recorded. I was like, oh, oh I'll nice. I'll start this. Um. So party down. I, this is one of the, the, the shows that like, every time we talked about stuff, you're like, have you seen this? I was like, no. And you're like, you should see this. And then I finally watched it and we got to talk about it. I don't know that, I don't know that we talked about it in the ID card office. It must've been like after a recording session or something that we finally got to talk about it. Um, but I, I, I wanted to, to revisit it because I, like, it's an interesting show mm. and, and I, coming into it this time was a very different like time in my life, I guess, even though it would have been like a year or two ago. I don't know. Like it, it, yeah, it felt like very different contextually than the first time I watched it through. Um, so that's my origin story with it was watching it on your recommendation. Um, well, how did you, did you watch it as it came out or how did you discover it? Um,
1: I think I, I, think it was on Hulu when I watched it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I almost feel like it was probably after I had been watching Parks and Rec with Adam Scott and like, I think watched it because, well, it either could have been because he was in it or because like, I recognized, um, some of the other characters, like, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who, who plays his boss, what the hell's his name? Ken Marino? Ken Marino. Yeah. Um, Ron who was Donald? in like, right. That's right. Yeah. I was like, I knew it's something like that. You yeah. knew Ron. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, like he was in, you know, wet hot American summer in the, in the state before that, that's the, you know, I want to dip my balls in it guy, you know? Okay. So, so like, you know, I knew him from other stuff and he's, he's not in a lot of stuff. So every time he po- pops up, it's like, Oh, okay. I got to watch that. Um, you know, he was also in, uh, role models. He, he had a small part in there. Um, so I, you know, and I always, I always love following, um, you know, kind of like with, you know, they had like the rat pack and the brat pack. It's like, Oh, here's this group of actors and actresses who are in kind of multiple things together. Um, or like, you know, they're, you know, maybe two of them are in one thing. So it's, it's always kind of neat when you get like a show that has some of the same people who are in some other show together or, although with this, I feel like it was more of a collection of those things. Cause I had like Martin Starr who was in, um, freaks and geeks, um, you know, I had, yeah, Ken Marino from, from the state. Uh, there are a few other people kind of like that, or at least, you know, people that I recognized from other stuff all kind of crammed in. So I think, uh, yeah. And I almost feel like I started watching it. And after the second episode, I was kind of like, oh, well these episodes are like very different. And I feel like I lost interest for a while and then came back to it. I think maybe because my sister had watched it. And I think she started making jokes from like later episodes. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen that. She's like, we'll go watch it. Uh, yeah, me and my youngest sister watch a lot of the same stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so finally watched the rest of it. I was just like, holy shit, like I missed out on so many things by stopping after like one or two episodes. Um, but, yeah, so good, so brilliant. So just like, yeah, like every every episode just has like it's, – it's great because they bring in here's this core of people, and we're also kind of progressing their story, but they're also thrown into a completely random different scenario. So, like, the fact that that changes, like, wherever they're catering will, like, you know, change the surrounding, but you've also got this kind of, yeah. It, to me, it was like, I didn't realize how brilliant it was at first until I had watched the whole thing and just how much variety you have in every episode. So it's like, even though for each episode, they're kind of dropping you in and you could almost just watch any episode because of that, you know, what the characters, you know, they've carried their baggage through. So um, yeah, it's great.
0: So watching it through this last time, I was like, this is one of the most extreme experiments in cringe comedy I think I've ever seen. And it's like, first of all, like, I I have to, like, Roman is a fucking incel. That character is so, so bad. Like, I, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, an inclusion of a character like that uh, in playing him for comedy is irresponsible in that the laughter is supposed to break the tension. It's like, oh, he's funny, so it's fine. But this show doesn't really do that. It's like nobody is redeemable. Like, these are some awful people in this show. And it doesn't really let up on that. And I think that's really unique. And it just keeps... It continues to put, like, pressure on them. And it's, it's these weird kind of, like... Yeah, Roman is just like it's it's hard watching him. And it's like it it's like I know exactly and that's the thing, like it's an archetype, and it's like I know exactly who that guy is. And he's a shit kicker, and he he fucking deserves every bad thing that comes his way. Um Jane Lynch is the reason to watch the first season of the show. Like, she's so good, and this is pre glee. Like, and and it's just like uh, it's like the perfect role for her like it, it's so the, the optimism and and just she she buys into it man like she gives that show a lot of um uh weight like gravity like because she's leaning in and she's committing so hard like it 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 just it fucking works man like I it's hard to talk about it in terms of episodes because they they go so many different places and obviously yeah. like they have kind of this this rolling celebrity uh, um, like cameo structure. Basically, every episode is different actors from all over Hollywood, and and early in their careers, like right right before things started hitting, right because this is two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. So, like fucking uh, J.K. Simmons is in two episodes. Uh, Michael Ian Black, who was in everything. And this is, like, I fucking forgot about this. Like, this is yet another show in which there's a Joel character who's an asshole. Every <laughs> Joel in popular culture is an asshole, and it bugs me. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, Ken Marino is... I, I've never been a Jason C- C- Siegel guy. I, I, I've never he's just big and kind of lumbering and oafish. And he always made me uncomfortable. I never was a, a how I met your mother guy. I just couldn't, I didn't like those characters. And that guy, especially Siegel, just like, I I can't identify with him. Cause I'm like, that's how I hope I don't come across is like that guy. Cause he's big. Like I'm big, right? Like, and it's like, I don't want to be that guy. And Ken Marino is, Ron Donald is, is like that to the nth degree. That dude's turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. And this time, like, I, I didn't like him the first time. I, and I still don't like that character. But the, the performance of that character, when they go to the, uh, the mansion and the dude's running the, the scam and he, he thinks he has the, the, the real, the prop gun, Oh, so he's yeah. standing up to him. It's the first time you see him really have any balls and like really any assertiveness and the way he wilts when he realizes it's a real ju- gun is just some of the most incredible, like physical acting I've ever seen. Like on a dime, he turns and it, it's really c- remarkable for that. Um, yeah. I, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be rooting for Casey and uh, Henry to get together. Like, it, it's, she's kind of awful. And he's kind of awful, too. Like, I, I, we're supposed to sympathize. And it's really hard. Because, like, I, I I call Adam Scott Ben Wyatt nine times out of ten. Because I just mm-hmm. identify him as that character. But he's been in a lot. And he's kind of been like more of a schmarmy guy previous to that. Like that—that that was kind of the typecast thing that I remember. He's in um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He's in Step Brothers, mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of like this slimy guy. In this, like, you're supposed to kind of empathize with him because he's like, I'm fucking back here after having this career, and he, he's definitely the lens through which we see the show. But like, their relationship is really shitty. Just like, and but like charming in a way because like the first from the first moment casey's giving him shit and they're being sarcastic and it's like there's instant chemistry Mm -hmm. and it's a weird setting for that kind of workplace romance because the workplace is like it's the opposite of the office right like almost in every sense where it's like it's not the location that is bringing everybody together. It's this job, this, this subservient, awful job that's rotating through these different aspects of, of California. Um, I I've been talking for a while without breathing. So tell me your thoughts.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, one of the things I like when you mentioned too, about like having the different, um, you know, the different actors who came in, like, I think, wasn't the creator, the, the guy who created Veronica Mars. So oh, I think I that's know. why, like, I think in in episode one, like the husband at that house party, like that that was the guy who played the dad in Veronica Mars, and then oh, later regular Kristen regular Bell shows Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so like that was another thing that was kind of cool too to see, like, yeah, like you know, creators. I, I think that's what I like about it is when I see creators working with actors on multiple projects because they're like, oh, I like this person on this one, and, you know, let's work again on this thing.
0: Isn't Paul um, Rudd like an executive producer, like? and a contributing writer on the show too oh, maybe i think so like i was w- seeing him in the credits i can't remember what exactly it was but like yeah. created by or yeah i mean that would
1: explain a lot <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, I just i love how it's like infinitely quotable too mm. like there because there are there are so many lines that are just like good lines but then there are there are so many um like when what a what a. Kristen My's favorite is when it's like um, the blonde guy, I forget his name, when he's giving Roman shit about his screenplay about the, Kyle, about the 10 foot bird. And he's Mm. like, what? That's not scary. He's like, yes, it is a 10 foot bird. And he goes to, to, you know, um, um, Constance constance he's like how tall would a bird uh, how big would a bird have to be for you to be scared She's like i don't know 100 feet you know like that's, that's such a great question i was like but it's like like you said like her leading into it like like her character is so involved in something else and, and like the idea that she's just like oh what a great question but i i want to give it more more thought but i i can't I'm, I'm too tired but yeah like 100 feet that would be scary and it's just like but like boom instantly like proves his point like you know here's just someone on a whim like ten feet of ten foot bird is not scary. A hundred foot right. bird, that's scary, right. you know. And just like the way that she just rolls with it, like yeah, that's a perfectly logical question to ask somebody here in California. Of course, you know, oh yeah, someone wrote a screenplay about a scary bird, you know. And I love too how like when she leaves, we get Megan Mullally to come in, right. and even though she's yeah. playing a different character, right. like it's essentially the same type of character, you know, that that older awkward woman, you know, who's like trying to kind of hang with the young kids, and you know, it's, it just. I think it's also awkward in her own right, but then yeah. also the fact that she's mixing in, you know, um, one of my favorite parts with her is when they're at Steve Gutenberg's birthday yep. party. Yep. <laughs> and like, they're trying to the wine, and she's like tasting sticks, <laughs> maybe rope. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it, it's, I forgot it's, how I, good that
0: episode was. that It's great. Like, I think that that's, that may be the best episode in, yeah. in terms of just like, and it's it's a that's the crazy thing It's like all of them are bottle episodes because mm-hmm. there's no c- consistent location. I think that that's the brilliance of the show. Yeah. But like it's 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 them on their day off. But Ken maintains because he continues to work the party and fucks up and he's going through AA and he gets the shrimp stuck in the art display. Like he's still going through, <laughs> but like. Yeah, it, it's and uh, I mean, the, the real story at the heart of it is like Henry slowly realizing that I need to fucking go out and act like I I, this is killing me. It's killing him inside and it, it, he doesn't realize it for so long mm-hmm. and in, in many ways, like it only it only having two seasons is beautiful because the end is so perfect yeah. for what it is. Like I'm really interested to see what the next six episodes will be. But like yeah. that that end I had forgotten that it was just kind of like, okay, he's waiting for an audition and that's it. That's where you, it ends. It's like, oh, and the audition he, he parks the rec. He's Ben White. Like that <laughs> like <laughs> they're the same universe. <laughs> like <laughs> Um Sorry, but w- you were saying uh quotable stuff.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just like yeah, there's just so much that's like Yeah, quotable, but then, like, other things that are just, uh, I guess you almost can't quote them, because, like, one of my other favorite scenes is when he's he's at his fucking reunion, and he says something about, like, oh, you know, I couldn't drink a whole bottle of scotch, he just fucking chugs the thing, which... (sighs) even that much liquid and then when he's like outside talking to that girl who he was kind of interested (laughs) in yeah it was just like molly parker yeah lay there in his puke (laughs) just like oh man we've been there (laughs) but just like again someone else who commits so much to that role like i feel like i haven't seen many other people play that kind of like sick drunk you know like the reality of just like you you just chugged like uh, yeah i think it was scotch Whatever it was it's it was just it's like, just whiskey like, he t- yeah, like it's jack okay. daniels yeah okay yeah like like you're gonna die like okay good thing you threw and they're just like just the the you know again it's not the quote it's not the line of him saying call an ambulance it's the just the the, the way it's like yeah like like he's speaking as he's retching and, and it's just like oh man so funny and how you know she's kind of like wasn't it like he was kind of interested in her, but she was interested in someone else. Yep. And then that guy like had sex with her, but then was like, whatever, like I'm married. Yep. And then she was kind of like, Oh, but then maybe there's Ron Don that like, he throws it. It's just like, kind of like, like, yeah, that's, that's what I, I've never been to any of my high school reunions, but I imagine that's what it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you try too hard, you're just only going to be in a world of hurt, you know?
0: It's such a specific character. Right. And I think that's, that's what it's so irksome about it like it's so specific and grating and it's 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 an incredible performance for that the more i talk about things the more i talk myself into liking them it's a problem <laughs> but like just like the the haircut and how big he is and his weight like it's all mm-hmm. like it's it hits all these things where it's like this is such a specific person yeah that exists in the world and it's like the way he talks the 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 and it's also like the the um it almost feels like backstage at like uh community theater or like high school theater like that affect like there there is a show there is a performance going on but behind the scenes it's like we don't give a fuck about this and it's like this this facade of professionalism and only one person's buying into it because not only does that per- character have to kind of be the Michael Scott, right? If like to use the Office as an analogy, right, yeah. he's also Dwight, right? Because Dwight yeah. cares about his job so much more than anybody, so he has to. And but it's also like you have no power over these people. Like how many times they're like, "Don't use your cell phone," and they're like, "Just just hang on them." Like yeah. it, it's it's like the perfect. it's just uncomfortable. Like it's such a great snapshot of that uncomfortability of like having authority in name only and no power to, to enforce it. And yeah, it's yeah. That character is crazy. Like really good. The more I talk about it, the more I think about it, like that's what the, like that's, and it's kind of, I think it's only the first episode where you see Ron Donald is of the second season where henry's now the boss he did super crackers things he's i hate the way he says super crackers it bugs me so much like it's seriously like it's a very specific irritating performance and it it's yeah i i i need to give it more credit (laughs) but like that that's also a great episode for the 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 rock star coming out and being part of the crew and then roman taking it over and having no fucking charm whatsoever that's the thing like as shitty a character that it is they really they give him everything he deserves in terms of punishment like and it yeah but like we don't see ron as a part of the catering staff that first episode and it feels like something is missing like it feels weird that he comes back and he's off uh off the wagon and drunk so like we get to see that side and then he reverts back like it's a great character journey for that character um and just like the 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 number of stars about to be, or like like in in the uh reunion episode, his old buddy from high school is Charles Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. And that, then that was that was another like uh the state, you know, alum.
0: Yeah. And then uh Josh Gad plays the the young conservative uh organizer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that episode is so fucking cringy. The
1: fucking barbecue sauce, like, oh, we gotta clean it. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, and that's like the
0: the, it's so cringy, man. Like, I, it's it's like if you took if you took the dinner party episode of The Office and made two seasons out of it. Like, that's (laughs) exactly like it's incredible for that. Like, the funeral is nuts. And it's really crazy because in the funeral, like, it's all about concealing the fact that he had a mistress and then the mistress had a kid, right? But oh, yeah. it ends up being fine because that that's not the problem it, it because they had an open relationship. And then, like, so they're worried about this uh, potential awkwardness and potential, like, uh, uh, incendiary moment. But then there's, like, Roman being fucking racist, just, like, overtly. And, like, it, it it's so... That that episode's great because it plays on the expectations of like all these people just being overtly awful and awkward and the the thing that you're worried about ends up coming to a head, but in that episode it doesn't. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Do you do you have a favorite character?
1: I mean, to think probably,
0: I just might talked, I talked myself into Ron as mine, I guess.
1: I mean, probably probably Adam Scott. I feel like I mean, I I kind of feel like that was me in my blockbuster days, you know, where it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I mean, not that I, not that I tried and had any success as a composer. I mean, maybe a little bit when I was in college, you know, you feel like when you're in college and things are happening, you feel like you're successful, but it's like, no one's, no one's really paid you at that point, you know? So like, you kind of get these little breaks and it's like, okay, now you're in the real world you know, good luck. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm doing this shitty job to make money because I'm not doing the thing I wanted to do. And and like, yeah, like his, his journey, I definitely kind of relate to because it's like, you know, you get stuck. And, and I think, I think that's what I did like about their relationship is it's like, you know, I, I definitely when when I'm watching a, a show or a movie, it's like, I definitely view relationships as, you know, not every relationship is going to end in marriage, you know? And it's like, you know, what, what is this for the time being? Is, is this, is this what they both needed? You know? And I think, I think it was, you know, like, I think, you know, for her, you know, kind of the the relationship he was in before was obviously shitty. So if he kind of helped, you know, nudge that along and be like, Hey, get out of here, you know, and, or get out of there rather, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, so I think that was ultimately a good move on her part, you know, and even if they didn't end up together, she shouldn't have been with that other guy, you know, um, And then I think for him, I almost said it for Ben, (laughs) you know, for, yeah, it's hard for, for him. I think he, you know, he needed to kind of just have some enjoyment in his life, you know? So I think it it worked for them for a while. Again, it wasn't going to end in marriage, but like, you know, I think it got, they were both in different funks that it got them out of that, you know? And then I think, you know, it was, I think it was part of what led to him, you know, taking that step forward, where it was like, you know, I forget where where exactly their relationship ends up at the end, but I almost got the impression like, wasn't she moving to go do a job somewhere else or something like that? Well, because she like, did
0: at the end of the first episode, she went on the cruise, right? The the stand up cruise.
1: Oh, okay, maybe that's what it was. And she yeah. comes
0: back, and then I think it was like because she had a, a part in a Judd Apatow movie, and it got cut. So she was really emotional but like, sad, obviously, like, this was going to be her big break, and she's cut out of the movie, and then he's trying to comfort her and say, like, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And she's like, how can I believe that you believe that when you don't believe it about yourself? Like, why are you lying to yourself and me? So I don't know if at the end it's, like, they're on again or off again. I'm not sure. I can't remember if there's, like, a specific thing that she has coming up because i think that was the the end the apatow movie was what she had going on in her career at that point
1: yeah well yeah because i just remember like i mean there's something to do with them and like her you know her kind of like pushing him to kind of like do something you know and i feel like you know that's sometimes what happens with relationships is it's like you know you're kind of working on this thing and then you get into relationship and it's like, Oh, well this is the thing that I'm going to devote my energy to. And it's like, no, no, you you, like, you can have this, but you should also devote the energy to that original thing too. And I think like they hit that point where it was like, and I forget if it was, you know, kind of like, because she was leaving and it's like, But I remember there being that, that choice, like, how are you going to handle this? Are you going to just kind of like collapse or are you going to, is this a springboard? You know, and then the fact that he went on the audition was just like, yeah, like, good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I like all of them for different reasons. Like they all add such a great dynamic. Like I like the, um, yeah, Kyle, is 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 such an asshole, but I, just, I love how much he pisses off Roman, right. you know, as a result of that, and it's it's also great to see their two personalities, you know, like the the dorky nerdy asshole screenwriter, and then the the attractive blonde actor, you know, and it's like kind of those two ends of the spectrum and those two two parts of the industry kind of always like cl- clashing in that way. Um,
0: it's crazy with Kyle, like you. Always, I feel like certain shows like sometimes we'll champion the nerd for like having something cool to say back to like Mm -hmm. the blonde pretty one. But like it it was really accurate with how Kyle would just double down on the stupid Mm -hmm. and, and just never be, it, it never took him down a peg really. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting choice and also really true to life that I, I mean, as the more Roman Romanesque. That's not what that means. But like more Roman ish when I grew up as like a dork or in a nerd. Like that's how those interactions played out. It like didn't matter if I had like right. the perfect like nerd triumph win like I didn't win. You didn't win the right. exchange because the pretty guy had something to come back with had no basis in reality or fact. But it it, it just like and I think something about Kyle that I I Really liked was how they built up his and Constance's friendship. Mm. That he goes to bat for her and and protects her, and all, like it's not a joke. He's not he's not doing it to mess with her. It's not fake. It's she. They actually have a genuine friendship, and I thought that that after that episode where the there's like a, a producer who's like shitting on her and making her do like barnyard animals, like oh yeah. And and Kyle just like fucking cuts the dude loose and like defends her like, well like come like hangs out with her like that instantly endeared me to that character going forward right he's an asshole but at least like he's he's nice to the character that I really like
1: right yeah well and I and I guess that's part of it too is like you know everybody kind of has some redeeming qualities and like you know you can you kind of get to really see. Like yeah, see the people get fleshed out, and it's not yeah, it, it never is. Like this is a a bad person, this is a good person. It's like it's a some some ratio, some mix of both of those things, you know. And um, yeah, and it's 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 nice that you can kind of like I don't know, maybe that's part of it too. Maybe maybe calling Kyle an asshole is more like yeah, you know, like yeah, like echoing back to my experiences where you know I'm the Roman character, and but but yeah, like he you know he's not a bad person. He's just like. You know, and it's it's kind of funny too. I find myself having I find myself having conversations like this. You know, in the, over the past four years, where it's like, you know, to some degree, it's like people who are just like stupidly rich. You know, like you you can't expect them to think about things the way normal people do because that that hasn't been their experience their whole fucking life. You know, right. and and it was kind of like they made a joke about that in uh, Arrested Development, and then there was another show that Will Arnett did after that. Uh, I forget the name of it, but he played like an insanely rich person and he had like a, a, you know, Butler servant guy and he sent him out one time to buy a bag of chips. And he like, he's like, how much is a bag of chips? Like $10, $20 here? You know, it's like, you know, and it's like, they they have no, no frame of reference for anything. I think, you know, Lucille Bluth says one time, like, how much does a banana cost? $10? What, you know, like, you know, um... (laughs) yeah, exactly. You know? Um, So I think it's like, you know, and, and you see that sometimes with, with people like Kyle, where it's like, you know, he, he probably grew up with people telling him, you know, he's, he's attractive and he can do whatever he wants, you know, and it's like, well, I want to be an actor. I see a bunch of attractive people being an actor. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not his fault that that's sort of like the story he's been told his whole life, you know, and, and that's the thing is, I don't think he ever does like makes shitty decisions like you know kind of like you were saying with with roman being an incel you know where it's just like okay yeah you're a nerd but you're the one who's now as an adult you know you may have been picked on as a kid but now you're you're being you know shitty in this way that actually is indicative of being a bad person yeah you know as opposed to like well yeah i'm good looking and attractive so i expect good things to come to me it's like that's not cool but it's you know it's like it's it's not his fault he was raised that way probably you know right um But yeah, when it comes down to it, he, he makes good decisions, you know?
0: Right. Except for the lyrics of their, uh, their song, my (laughs) struggle that is blatantly about the Holocaust. And he doesn't seem to understand that when they are at a Jewish wedding, (laughs) it's like, maybe, maybe don't. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. I, it just really stuck, stood out this time with Roman, like, the, the, the like, proprietary is like, I'm next in line for Casey. And then the, mm-hmm. the second Casey goes to do anything, he's like, well, I didn't think you were such a slut. Like, the the fucking slut shaming and just... Oh, yeah. There's, there's... That character is pretty irredeemable. And it it's also, like... I've also never understood hard sci-fi. I think this character, like, really bugs... Like, I think I'd never heard about hard sci-fi until watching this show the first time. I was like, fuck mm-hmm. you. Like, what... Are, <laughs> like... <laughs> and he's so close to 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 hitting it off with the one porn star all he had to do was just keep his fucking mouth shut and he yeah. just he's no no <laughs> social wherewithal
1: and <laughs> it's it, it's funny too cuz like there I, i'm always mixed about that scene cuz there is the part of me that it's like you should have kept your mouth shut but then there's a part of me like well, you know, good for him. He kind of like, I don't want to say stood up for like, but it's just like, you know, like how many people could be like, yeah, this, this kind of goes against this thing. That's very important to me, but I'm going to keep it to myself so I can get laid as opposed to like, you know, like, yeah, like dragons are not sci-fi. <laughs> and
0: it's also like, I think he, 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 he's projecting in that scene too. Cause it's like, she can like sci-fi and fantasy. They can right. she you can like two things, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was like she, her confusing the genres. She just moved on to a different part of the conversation, as you do when drunk. Like just, fucking, right. uh, like,
1: well, yeah. And I think that's also what's perfect about that too is that he yeah he is also an asshole. So it's like good. It's I'm kind of glad you shot yourself in the foot at the same time that it's just like you know yeah, like I, like I kind of go back and forth. Is it like, you know, is it, is it integrity that made him say like, Oh, you don't know about this thing that I care a lot about, or is it, you know, are you a shit bag? Because, you know, it's like, you know, you, you're, you're so uh, um, what's the word, Elitist you know, like, uh, yeah. Or... Elitist and, and precious about like, Oh, hard sci-fi. It's like, it has to be, you know, yeah, like, if, if, if your story doesn't explain, you know, how this, you know, quantum engine works, then it's, it's bullshit, you know, it's like, or, like, it could be a good story, you know, like, oh, you yeah, know, like you've said, it's like, it's sci-fi as a setting, you know, it's like, if it takes place in the future and or, you know, relies on the technology that doesn't exist, but it doesn't have to spend the whole movie explaining that technology or be about that technology, you know, and
0: I think that the sh- to the show's credit, like they Roman never wins. And I think that's an important thing thing it's like this this dude has not and i don't like i don't know what the plans for that character was like to grow or learn because it's the thing like dwight i keep comparing it to to the office because it was a contemporary also like adam scott read for uh jim so like there's so he didn't get that part and then like this other show came about and he got that part so I kind of think of them as like <laughs> directly affecting each other, <laughs> but like, like Dwight develops, like you, you, yeah. you you find more empathy and sympathy for him because he, he starts as like a shit kicker and asshole. And he's like this hard, he, he makes sexist comments and he makes homophobic comments. And, but like the character grows in two seasons, Roman is a character in the background, very much in the background. So I like, give it more time. I don't know how that yeah. character would have developed, but like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't Yeah. Like you said, the fact that he doesn't win, I think that's important. So it's like, you know, I, I, I have a, a hard time sometimes with stuff like that. Cause it's like, I feel like, you know, if, if a show has a character who's, who's shitty and we don't like, like we want to see that character kind of get what's coming to them or, you know, like you said, not, not get rewarded for being shitty. But then it's like, I feel like it also sets up this unrealistic expectation for life where it's like, you know, and I guess it's what the director's aim is like, do you, you know, here, let me present this character you're going to hate, but, but it's okay because I'm, I'm with you on this. And I'm, I, as the creator, am not going to, you know, uh, give this character what they want, you know, um, but then on the other side of it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, here's that character that you hate. Well, they're going to win because that's what happens when people are shitty and they, you know, do shitty things. to Other people, you know, it's usually the, the, you know, the good people that have shitty stuff happen to them, you know, and that's what we you know, so, you know, and, and I think like, you know, because it still wants to be a comedy, you know, it's like, yeah, here's, here's a shitty person, but he's the one who's going to be stuck doing this job for the next however many years right. being an aspiring, you know, screenplay writer and, you know thinking that he's better than everyone else because he's a screenplay writer and it's just like you know
0: that's another the steve beard gutenberg episode is so great because he's like i don't i don't want other people to read my shit out loud also i've never rewritten anything like what (laughs) like how smart are you 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 pretending to be this whole time you you think it's perfect the first time fuck you man like I, it's a, that's a great episode for putting him down a peg, right? Like, yeah. also Nick Lovin is his, his uh, uh, co-writer. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I forgot about that too. Like. It's, it's hard to remember a lot of it too. Cause like, you know, I think because, you know, each episode is, you know, in a different location, it's like, I, I'm having a hard time remembering like all of them you know, in sequence, which I guess, I mean, I, there are probably a lot of shows I can't do that with, um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely the ones that stick out. Like the first one stands out, you know, the Steve Gutenberg one, the, 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 the party that where JK Simmons is like the the dad of that. Was it like her, her sweet 16 party or something like that. Yeah.
0: So I have a list of the episodes. I was going to re- oh, read nice. them out. So the first one's Willow Canyon homeowners annual party. I don't remember much about that party. Um, California college conservative union caucus, Mm-hmm. So uh Pepper McMaster's singles seminar. Oh, that's the one with all of the, the older people. And then Stan Sitwell from Arrested Development is in that. And one oh, of Constance's yeah. old boyfriends. That one's good. Mm-hmm. Um The Investors Dinner is the one at the mansion where the right. dude is running the scam. Sin Se Shun Awards After Party, which is the the sex, the porn star um that was great. After party. Uh Taylor Taylor Stiltskin Squeet 16, which is the one on the boat yeah. with Kevin Hart playing <clears throat> that's the, right, the yeah. rapper. Um, Brandix corporate retreat. I don't remember. Oh, that's the one with the uh, team building. Oh yeah. And exercises. he like
1: pulls everyone in to do the team building exercises. And... <laughs> it's
0: so it's fucking duchy. awkward. <laughs> Cause he, he like goes in and he's like, I'd really love to use this stuff. And he's like, Session started a thousand dollars. He's like, they're gonna go, everybody get in the conference room. Um, was,
1: I love that too because that's definitely like a Michael Scott moment. Like, I feel like you know, that yeah. like, okay, we're gonna do this, too, and everyone's just got like, you know, like, nope, not we're not doing it or, Yeah, <laughs> then
0: celebrate Ricky Sargulish, which is the like Sardinian murderer guy.
1: Oh, or, that's right. Yeah. yeah, the guy from Wings, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the the Rolf James Rolf High School twentieth reunion. I like the specific like specificity of all these names. Right. Yeah. And then the Stenheiser Pong wedding reception. I don't remember who's g get- Oh, that's the one where we meet uh, Valhalla Catering for the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the one where uh, George Decay is in. Right. Yep. Um. And then season second, season two is uh, Jackal Onassis Backstage Party, which is the the rock star one. Um, Precious Lights Preschool Auction. Oh, that's the one where uh, J.K. Simmons comes back. Mm -hmm. And they're they're trying to sell off the, uh, what is it, Dinner with Tom Hanks or something like that? And it ends up getting outbid. Um, Oh, this one, Nick Detinko's Orgy Night with uh, uh uh what's his from Officer Dangle from Reno nine one one. Oh that's Where, right. Yep. That one's great. Like really weird, really strange. It's an ice wide shot party. It's a, it's literally an orgy. It doesn't say anywhere on this that it's an orgy. <laughs> it's great. Um, then the funeral Steve Gutenberg uh Not on your wife opening night which is the the community theater one which is a great oh. like uh backstage thing yep. and like uh uh yeah
1: that's backstage backstage we have backstage for the caterers right. and backstage for the-
0: <laughs> and then casey is pretending to be into a a female producer and it's like this whole kind of like bait and switch thing that mirrors oh, that's right. mirrors the gender bending hijinks of the farce of the play that like it's very meta. Like it got very mm-hmm. meta in that one. Um the company picnic, which is fun. Joel Munt's big deal par- party. Fucking seriously. Every Joel in popular culture is an asshole. I don't like it. Um, Cole Landry's draft day party. That one's super awkward. <laughs> and then Constance's wedding. Like I oh. also like, it's a great, that's a great like end point too, is like mm-hmm. we get to have her back and see her interact with her replacement and not like her. Like I mm-hmm. like that a lot too. Like there's some solid, solid stuff in there. Orgy, I remember that man, was man.
1: The, the first time I watched that. I remember the the like for Constance's wedding, mm-hmm. where it's like all of a sudden the person shows up to like object, and I'm like, "Is that fucking Patrick Duffy?" And then the <laughs> later, "Is that fucking Patrick Duffy?" And I, was like, yes. <laughs> I win at watching TV.
0: <laughs> what is it? She calls him like Duffy Roll or something. Like she has a little cute little oh, name yeah. for him. <laughs> <it. laughs> I need to bring more more of a structured discussion when I bring whole TV shows, <laughs> uh, but I know it's getting to be dinner time. So, <laughs> oh,
1: oh yeah, damn. Well, I mean, yeah, we can go a little excited. I talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I will say too is that um, I recommend if you haven't seen it yet, um, "Burning Love." Okay, what so is- it's three seasons, uh-huh. and it, the first season basically makes fun of the Bachelor. Okay. Second season makes fun of the bachelorette. Okay. And the third season, it basically makes fun of like the, the shows where they kind of have like the two teams that they're pitting against each other, almost like a survivor kind of thing. Okay. And they're playing for a prize of $900. <laughs> <laughs> and they just keep, they keep like pushing that in your face. Like, and it's like, Oh man, <laughs> I could do so much stuff with that. And it's just like, um, but it's that's another one. I, I don't know if it was made by the same, Person, but it's got so many of the same actors in it. Like, like Ken Marino plays the Bachelor in the first. Oh, scene. okay. So, um, they've got like, uh, I'm trying to think of who some of the the women are, but like as they kind of roll up, you're like, oh, that's so and so from this. That's so and so from this. That's so. And then there's someone who's in. I think it's a bear costume. <laughs> who uh, I won't say who that is because that's a fun. That's a fun reveal. Um, uh, yeah. The, the so the the I think the host is Michael Ian Black. So oh, okay. he's kind of, you know, so, so yeah, you get this, a bunch of people who are, who are on the state are kind of all in this. Um, and uh, then season two. So it's one of the, the, the women from season one, she gets to be the bachelor for season two. So, and I think, um, does Ken Marino come back? I think he might even come back as one of the contestants, but like Adam <laughs> Scott's one of the contestants, Jolo Trulio one of the contestants. Um, the guy, I forget his name, but it, and it's actually, I think his real life, wife um the guy who uh, who does the kaboom episode on parks and rec okay that okay that's who
0: i thought i am trying i'm looking up that guy because it's not michael Ian black that's who i thought played joel munt joel munt is the same guy as the kaboom guy right i can't remember his name he's in how did this get made um on that podcast
1: he's in the new um i think the Wheat thins commercials. Him and his wife, they're sweet and salty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's also in um, uh Disaster Artist. He plays like the director. Oh yeah, Paul Shear. His name is Paul. Oh, okay, Scheer. yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So his real life wife, she's the one who ends up being the bachelor, bachelorette in season two, oh, and actually okay. the guy who plays um, Kyle for, from party down yeah okay yeah yeah forget all their names he comes in as one of the one of the contestants his name is blaze and she just like loves him like the minute <laughs> she meets him like she's basically like this the show's done i picked blaze <laughs> and they're like no no you gotta do all, you know so um but yeah it's, it's so great like just the way like they they play with the tropes of those shows mm. and it's like there are times where you're almost like not sure that you're watching a parody because they 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 skirt the lines so closely they have this uh um one character who in the first season, she she doesn't wear pants the whole fucking time, so like they constantly just have to like blur it out because she's just completely bottomless, and that's like just her thing. And then at one point she says something like, "Oh look, I shaved it into an M for Mark." That's like the guy, you know, Ken Marino's character, and was just like, "Oh God," it's just like so awkward for everybody. Um, and then there's a part where like they have like a pool day. So of course, like everybody's like, Oh, I want to pull you aside and have all the private car, you know? And it's like, but everyone's getting very petty about it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's, I don't want to say it's the most cringy thing I've ever seen, but it's like, I feel like they, they definitely acknowledge the cringiness of the, those shows normally, Mm -hmm. but then like push it just enough to make it more cringy, but not so much that it's like super ridiculous. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it, it, especially after watching a show like that, we're like, oh, I recognize all these people from all these different things. And then this like takes it up another notch, too, where it's like all these like, yeah, Adam Scott plays. I don't think he makes it very far, but he plays one of the, the contestants in the Bachelorette season. Yeah, just like so many awkward things happen. So and, and so many things that are just like I feel like you'll go a while this is what they do. And it's great. You'll go a while where you're watching it. And like I said, you forget it's, it's fake. And then they kind of do one little thing to just push it over the edge. And it's like, okay, that's brilliant because you, you played with how ridiculous these shows normally are. And then at the point where you kind of lulled us into just thinking, oh, it's just, you know, a shot for shot remake of The Bachelor. And like, here's where you turn the dial up just enough to be like, oh, that's right. This isn't this is real. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's so good. Like every, every fucking second of that show is great.
0: So with, with the, the cringeometer. Like, what would you say is the cringiest thing that you've watched that's like a show? Let's, let's put that caveat on it. Cause I feel like, what is it? Adam's Ru- Adam ruins everything or the review show or, hmm. um, uh, what's that other one that you like? That's the, um, oh, Nathan for you. That one. Yeah. 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 Cause I feel like, I feel that like cringe is like very much in your wheelhouse is like something you enjoy and I'm I'm wonder 'cause like I'm there's like Eric Andre is a specific type of like pushing but that it's not scripted in the same like like a lot of the cringiness about Eric Andre is like him going out and fucking with real people.
1: Mm.
0: Um but I
1: don't think I've ever seen Eric Andre's stuff, so I don't yeah.
0: Yeah, he's the guy who like shoots it's he's from that meme where he shoots the guy, is like how dare someone else do oh. this.
1: My favorite is the one I saw recently where it was like him shooting and it was like the person dead was Blockbuster and he, on him said Netflix. And then it turned, into, you should go watch the, the last Blockbuster on Netflix. It's like, oh my God. so <laughs> made <better>. for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably, I think Nathan for you might be the cringiest thing. I think because he's interacting with real people mm-hmm. and, and, and the way he'll, he'll sit in situations that are obviously uncomfortable and let the silence make it more cringy gotcha. instead of like kind of pushing the envelope. Like he'll just let that awkwardness sit. Um Like, I don't know if I told you about the one where he's like putting together a play and there's these two people who are supposed to be a couple and, and he's like, I'm not buying it. You know, it's like, you know, when, when, you know, and so he basically sits there with the actress and he's making her, tell him over and over again that she loves him and she's like you know say say i love you she's like i love you say it again i love you and and this goes on like i one day i want to count how many times he makes her say it but so much to the point where it's like you almost start to feel like she's starting to believe it because she said it so many times (laughs) and you definitely get the feeling and i know i know it's it's part of the act but you almost start to feel like he's starting to believe it because he's heard it so many times. And at one point his eyes start getting red and glassy, like he's about to cry. And it's just like, and then he just keeps going and he just keeps pushing it. It's just like, Oh my God. Um, and then there are some moments too, that like sometimes what the people say to him is actually worse than anything. And you'll, you'll get this, like, you know, like this genuine reaction from him. And he's like, wait, what are you talking about? And it's like, you see him kind of break because it's like, you know, he, he spends a, so, so much of it like flatlined. And that's what makes him so awkward that like when he gets surprised, he's just like, Oh, like what the fuck, man? Like this is, this is my job is to be this awkward and you just fucking beat me at it. And now I'm like, (laughs) I'm surprised and shocked by it. So yeah, that might be, that might be the most, I think, yeah, because of the interaction with real people and you kind of feel bad for the real people. Um, I mean, there might be something else that I'm not thinking of. Like, review is close, but I think all of review is scripted and everyone's right. involved. But it gets very close, too, because of the situations and because he's so believable as this kind of nice guy. And, you know, when he's divorcing his wife, because that's right. one of the things people, you know, you know, like, obviously, his wife is an actress. But, like, you know, that situation is super cringy. Right. Or the one where, before that where he, <laughs> he has the, the sex doll. says like, what's it like to make a porno I think, and so he's like, he doesn't want to do it with his wife, but he doesn't want to, so he like gets a doll to make a porno with, but it's like really lifelike, and I think his wife catches him in bed with it or something. It's like, oh, it's, uh, yeah.
0: So That's yeah, review
1: gets thing. pretty close, but.
0: <laughs> and it's interesting, like, it's it's, I feel like <sighs> cringe is harder to write and perform than it would be to like interact with people who are unsuspecting of it. Right, like, because like, there's there's an understanding with two actors reading the script that is cringe. That we're trying to deliberately recreate an awkward situation rather than it it coming about naturally. Like, when when you're the one operator who's pushing the awkward button, that is a more sure like there's less variables in that equation. Whereas, Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I can handle Nathan for you. <laughs> Honestly, it's so good. <laughs> um and then I guess the the last thing I'll ask about Party Down would be what what do you think is a good catalyst or what do you see the 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 return the these six episodes be? I know you're, you you've only known about this for the last 2 hours of discussion but trying to think like what what's the reason to bring it back who all comes back what how what does the season look like hmm.
1: I like I mean my go to i guess is almost where season 1 started where it's like you know Adam Scott's character tried to make it as an actor and it fell through again you know and he's back to like well i could always go back to that catering thing um yeah it's tough to tell because like like you said it ended so well and it's like i don't want him and Casey to like end up getting back together and like, Oh, I guess they're going to get married now. Like, I don't right. I don't want to, you know, I guess I'm more, part of me is more just interested in the novelty of it. Like who, who are they going to bring back? Like, are we going to have Constance and Megan Mullally's character? Like you said, right. we know that she, she doesn't like her. So are they going to be together? And that's going to be like a source for a lot of the conflict. Um, well, Constance
0: remember, gets all of her dead husband's money. Oh, So she's rich. Like she, I I don't know that she would work at party down anymore. Yeah. Um,
1: I, so maybe she would hire them for something else.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm wondering if the catalyst is one of them hits it big and inadvertently hires them or hires them deliberately. Mm. And I think like, maybe that's what happens with Roman. Like since the show ended, like comic book movies and, and nerd shit has become popular. So, like, maybe he sold the script, and maybe he, like, he's the... Because the, initially, I was thinking it would be cool that uh, Henry is a success and ends up hiring, like, his publicist or something, hires Party Down inadvertently, and he has to deal with, oh, shit, they're in my house, and I haven't talked to them, and, like, maybe it all goes wrong for him in that episode, and then he's back at the bottom of the totem pole or something like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I feel I, I I'm also thinking like, you know, what might be kind of fun is if they did like a, a multiverse season where every episode is a different person makes it. So that person hires party hired <laughs> and you have to deal with the awkwardness of that one person as a success dealing with everybody else, but we get to take turns.
0: Oh, and it would be cool. Like if you went back to like the, the uh, uh, bit parts, like, I think Steve Gutenberg's still alive. But like maybe everybody who was successful in the previous seasons ends up being part of the catering staff like because they've fallen. Oh, so yeah. it's like like J.K. Simmons is no longer this executive, <laughs> has to help fucking serve the shrimp puffs. <laughs> or <laughs> like bring back Paul Shear. And Paul Shear and Roman have to fucking work together because. The, the uh, uh, sci-fi script that he sold, like, the it, it sucks. Like, the, the movie was bad. Like, that would be a cool kind of, like, inversion. And that's the thing. Like, if you did six episodes where... Because how many caterers are there? Because it's it's Henry, uh, Ron, oh, wow. Casey, Constance, uh, Roman, and, and Kyle. Kyle. There's six of them. And then Megan Mullally. So, like, the... Those are the, like, you could do that. You could do six episodes where each one of them is on top. And then you could have, like, time jumps between. So it's like, okay, the the catering staff is is kind of molded to fit, like, the highs and lows of all of these interactions. That that would be cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, because you know, it, like, yeah, plays on the idea, you know, your idea. But it's like, I, I think what made me think of it is, like, I can't decide. Who I want to see on top, and everyone right. else having to awkwardly work for them. You know, it's like so. It's like, yeah, let's do one with everybody. Where it's like, you know, what if Henry ma- had made it? What if right. Henry didn't make it, but so and so made, it, you know, instead. And, and it, I think it'd be fun too, because you could then you could do where sort of a, a a fun little thing where some of the conversations are the same episode to episode, because like <laughs> in every episode, every episode that that you know Roman and Kyle are still working there they're going to have the same conversation but it's going to get affected by different things regardless of who's there and who isn't there
0: gotcha yeah so it would be like the multiverse ideas like it it's the same night but somebody else in this gotcha yeah because i was thinking of it more like just through time it's like everybody eventually makes it and then fails again right right so like that that would be yeah that's yeah, awesome.
1: see that's that's the, the probably that if they were going to do that that's probably what'll happen like you know I've always always got to overcomplicate things. Like,
0: <laughs> You've read too many crises. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> Crisis on infinite party downs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about enough of that.
0: And here's ta- tip. Here's Tim was... with the final word. Him. <laughs> Him, Tim. Tim. Tom. <laughs>